Boca likes the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. It's in the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium. Upside down right now. Reed eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. It's hit dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. morning tailgate is here oh my goodness it is the last time that we'll be doing the friday morning tailgate on a friday in the regular season we do have another one next week for iowa and if there are a game or games and after the regular season we'll see about what we're doing for that but yes this is the uh this is the last day when you're uh, not thinking about work on a Friday because of a Husker football game. Glad to have you with us one more time. It is Nebraska-Wisconsin week. And an interesting situation that this program finds itself in right now. On one hand, the momentum is not there. Two losses in a row. Two close losses in a row. And... The last one especially is one that you feel like you gave away figuratively and kind of literally as well by giving away the ball with turnovers. And now you've got to get your mind right because you go into Wisconsin, a division rival and a rivalry and a team that you've not been able to beat for years that has been just a bugaboo for Nebraska football. And you go into that game with two paths that come out of it. And the one path is you continue the losing streak. You do not get to bowl eligibility. You are officially eliminated from the West, and you've got to get that final win at home against Iowa to go to a bowl. And frustration builds, I think, with a lot of people that follow this team. Now, on the other hand, you go into Wisconsin – and you figure out how to get the win, whatever it looks like. Three to two, six to four, <laughs> nine to five. You figure out how to get that win, and it forgives a lot of the sins of the last two weeks. And you get to go in with your head clear a little bit against this Iowa team the week after on Black Friday with a chance to uh, maybe, maybe still be alive in the West, and if not, just kind of be a spoiler at the end of, of Iowa Season 2 and get ready for a bowl game. Those paths look very different. It makes our Thanksgiving week, I think, look very different between the two possible outcomes. And step one in this game is figure out how to stem the tide with turnovers. Is it possible anymore? Is it possible anymore? And it's hard to even discuss at in real depth right now 
because as we sit here this morning uh, with Caleb Henry and Mike Schaefer joining us shortly, we don't know for sure who is going to be the person with the ball in the hand most of the game (laughs) and what the implications for that will be on that ball staying in people's hands and not in the other team's hands. Mm -hmm. And the update from yesterday, and we'll talk about this a lot today, uh, and I'm sure you'll have some audio on it later. Oh, yeah. Did not uh, did not answer any questions officially <laughs> in terms of what the decision is going to be for who starts at quarterback. Matt Rule said yesterday that there is no decision at this point. He described Heinrich Harburg as available, which is also how he described him on Saturday for the second half of the game. Just noting that, I just mm-hmm. noticed the commonality in, in those words. Uh, said Jeff Sims was healthy and said that Chubba Purdy also uh, not totally healthy, but I guess I don't know if he used the word available with, with Purdy, but Purdy was running mainly with the, uh, with, with the ones and twos, as he said as well. And so as far, as far as we know, if you listen to the coach's words yesterday, there's no reason to believe based only on that we know who it will be out of those three getting the first snap or if that person will continue to take snaps throughout the game or who would be in next if that person does not st- take snaps throughout the game now we don't we don't know for sure but i'm going to interject my own um my own suspicions i guess i would All say right, please do about about what is really happening and that this goes back to why i I indicated it was interesting that he used the same terminology about Harburg's availability today as he did Saturday on the halftime interview with Jessica Cootie for interest for for uh, example. Uh, he said on in that game he said Heinrich Harburg's available, but he's not himself right now. Mm-hmm. And you had talked a little bit about seeing him Harburg try and run a little bit on the sideline, and it looked like he was having problems. And it looked like from Saturday for those that didn't hear, and and they probably didn't show a whole lot of it on the broadcast. So, uh, if you didn't pony up the dollars for Peacock and you weren't one of the people in the stadium, you probably haven't seen it. And we only mentioned it a couple times earlier this week, but he he had gone into the tent, put his helmet down himself. Somebody didn't take it from him. He's talking to a coach here, trainer there. Goes over, talks to Matt Rule. Uh, there, there's a play happening near the end zone, so they're kind of between plays. And Harburg walks out, tries to do a sprint, and on the first step with that leg, it looks like it gives a little bit, and he just doesn't trust it. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of wh- where you got there. And so, uh, given that he's uh, he wasn't he wasn't good to go then, given that it's it's been. Um, you know, just kind of a situation where he hasn't been right physically even before that as well. I've got some suspicion that perhaps, perhaps that may still be the case with him. We'll see. We'll see. And and to what level he can, you know, how injured can he be and still play as well? How interested are you doing that in doing that given what else you've got there at the position? But I think there's at least a possibility. I'll say this. I think there's at least a possibility that, that rule is going to continue to say that Heinrich Harburg is available because he brings a little bit of a different uh, a different 
potential scheme to prepare for than the other two quarterbacks do. And you at least want you want your potential opponents to at least think that might be something that they've got to be ready for. Heinrich Harburg, the option, his type of running game, those sorts of things. Uh, and so I don't have ever expect him to say, I don't ever expect him to say, the week, and I probably this ex- same thing next week, I don't really ever expect him to say Harburg's out. Right, I think you'll find out when the game gets going as well, and maybe and, maybe two hours before the game we see him with a questionable tag. Right, or maybe they still, or maybe they still dress him too uh, with with this. And so, if if that's the case, then I'll see what Mike thinks. But I I think if it's if, if that actually is the case, and Harburg can't go, if Harburg were healthy, I think Harburg goes right. But if he's not healthy, mm-hmm. I think they'll probably go with Chuba Purdy. I think um, I I think Saturday sealed that and I don't know again I don't have the benefit of a seeing practice no knowing how injured everyone is and C just kind of knowing the conversations that have been going on in the background and those all play heavily into this and so it's a little bit blind in this whole thing but knowing what I do know if I had to guess and I'll, I'll ask you guys what you think if you have to guess who takes that first snap I think it's probably Chubba Purdy Mike what do you think uh, I think blind is a good way to describe Nebraska's quarterback situation. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. How's that for a Friday morning? Wow, I oh, wow. Well, welcome. Yeah, coming in hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, all the information I have is pointing towards Chubba Ferdy being the primary quarterback on Saturday. Uh, I don't know that Heinrich Harburg will be available in any capacity to play, um, but I, I expect the gamesmanship of not announcing that so that's just based on what i've been hearing i don't have anything that is a hundred percent confirmed that so-and-so is going to start uh nobody will until pete thamel randomly tweets it at eight forty-three <laughs> this morning or excuse me tomorrow who's, morning who's his source on nebraska injuries uh, my <laughs> assumption is it's rule but, okay um Usually with a lot of those coaches, a lot of those guys tend to be head coaches, uh, and so they can kind of move pretty quickly through that's hilarious. the ranks of it. At least yeah. that's the case when it was like Jeff Goodman right. and the <laughs> random updates that we would get there. Yes, yes. Uh, so, you know, the the situation for Nebraska offense feels pretty dire. Um, the situation in general feels pretty dire, and then you look across the field, and there's a team that might be in a worse situation. So... But it's been that way for two weeks now, and Nebraska didn't win those games. So you can't necessarily yeah. look at that and be like, okay, well, this this sets up better for Nebraska. The really interesting thing is you're going to have a week of preparation to figure out an offense that they would run if it's Jeff Sims, an offense they could run if it's Chubba Purdy. Uh, again, I'm not expecting Heinrich Harburg, but if you're talking about him, then it forces Wisconsin, as you said, Jack, to at least consider more option. And it, it's hard for me to see Chubba running the option. It's hard for me to see them wanting to use his legs a ton, given the groin injury that's been discussed uh, multiple times now to to explain his absence for most of this season. Um, it is going to be a very weird game Saturday. It's hard for me to shake that feeling. It really is. <laughs> um, we haven't seen Chubba Purdy uh, play in a in an actual game since well, besides the drive last week, but since since last fall, I, I, um, and I, so like, what do you what does he bring to the table right now? And I'm not asking, you know, obviously last fall was was rough, but just if you're playing to his strengths, I guess as as right now, if he's going to be the guy, what do you think those are right now? What what do you think the game plan looks like 
if if he's the the guy there, or does it not really change at all? I don't know that it changes a ton. I mean, he's got the ability to kind of just run around and playground a lot of plays, I guess, um, because he he's more mobile than you would sort of expect on the surface. Uh, but with the groin injury, it's just really hard to say. And then, you know, his track record at Nebraska, and again, we only have last year to go off of, he led four scoring drives and 25 drives that were over one play. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not exactly a ratio for success. And here's a part that's really damning. He was throwing to receivers that are significantly more experienced than what he will have on Saturday. Right. Uh, but he will be doing it in an offense that's very different than the one that was put forth by Mark Whipple. He'll be doing it with an offensive line that's a lot better than what he had to deal with last year. I know that was part of the problem. Um you know, when he played last year, he took on Michigan, he took on Illinois, he took on Minnesota, all teams that are better than what Wisconsin is. So the the quality of opponent was really high for him last year. So that that probably played into it a ton. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you to be confident in Chubble Purdy to lead them for multiple scoring drives. And Rask's going to have to figure out how to win this game in the teens. Um, that's where they've been the last couple of weeks. I mean, even the Michigan State game, if you play better football, that game's in the teens and they don't get to 20 or whatever it was. So um, that, there's not a lot that changes. Like that's That's the part that's infuriating. Um, to me, but also gives you a little bit of confidence yes. that they can survive. <laughs> That's on what I was going to say. You're, you're saying things. You're, you're saying things that are like, "Hey, I'm not going to, you know, tell you it's going to be good," but it hasn't been good. Right. right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> well, I can't tell you. Like, so here's the thing. A lot of people are like, "Well, put in Chuba. We don't know what the turnovers will be." And it's like, "Yeah, you do." Last year, he fumbled a bunch. He threw three interceptions. But they haven't games. happened He threw yet. one interception and three throws on Saturday. You, la- you laugh, but honestly, there's some allure at this point with the offense to, I haven't actually seen the guy turn it over this year yet. Yeah. And so there is at least a chance. My favorite part of that he, is that allure bakes in the idea that the coaches didn't watch him be terrible in practice, which is why they haven't given him the opportunity to yeah, start do, with. You, you do wonder, um, you do wonder that. They allowed but, Jeff Sims to turn the ball over as often and, as he has, and they didn't go to him before this and the allure comes from starting at his five yard line and ending up at the other five yard line in a key drive and no being thrown in there which With a, is all, okay is, a, we, is partially be, his fault it is a hundred percent the coach's fault for yes. putting him in that situation it is a hundred percent chubba purdy's throw that was trash it was a hundred percent nebraska's route that was trash everything about that play was terrible <laughs> but He's still in there to make that throw. You're still going right. to, like, we can we can dissect the blame that goes on Rule and Satterfield. And again, they never should have put him in that situation. That throw was, I don't know which of the two receivers he was throwing to. I'm not entirely sure he does. I'm still unbelievably baffled by the decision to put him in that spot. Right. Especially after he killed an earlier play. And turned it into a pass that then stopped the clock. Like, how you just didn't turn around and run it straight two times into the line to just get him off the field. Right. To then discuss why that was a terrible decision, even if it resulted in saving two yards of field position. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just... Listen, I, I mean, I was yelling it at the screen, but... Prior to it happening, sure, which, I mean, which a lot of people were. Brunts and I were in the press box debating about how this could be Minnesota all over again, where I very loudly proclaimed, Previous, "Take I mean, the three points and go into yeah. halftime tied." Right. I'm, I'm, I'm team. Wish they kicked the field goal. But I think, I, like most people are. The the point but, I'm trying to get to is we have no idea what he's capable of doing, how severe that groin injury is. 
Um, you know, I haven't heard flattering stuff about his time when he was the starting quarterback in terms of, you know, the the preparation going in last year. That doesn't make me feel great. But, but again, this is where they are. I get, it, I get it, Mike. But, I mean, we're already in, you know, the depths of hell of quarterback play right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, where are we going down from here exactly? I, I'm curious. Do you think there's a chance we end up seeing Jeff Sims on Saturday? Um, or do you think that's like a geez. break in the case of, of an emergency after you've already broken everything? Like, else? if so, why wouldn't you just start him? I, that's where I'm at with it. I mean, so I kind of don't. I, yeah. I suppose, it, obviously, injury. With an injury. Obviously, and if the groin injury, injury becomes really limited. Or if the turnovers are... I mean, the turnovers would have to be at such a high level, Mike, for that to even happen. The t- the turnovers would have to be higher than the level that right. Sims is turning it well, over. Well, the last... Which, the, is, which is which astronomical. Is, which is multiple per quarter. Right. But we've only seen one time this entire season where the turnovers forced the coaching staff to make a change. And that was Jeff Sims this last Saturday. Right. Before that, the only time they had changed quarterback was the game was out of hand or somebody had gotten hurt. Or a helmet fell off. Yeah, yes. Yeah. You. Yes. By, I know, by, that, by I know rule. that that does not fit the example, technicality, but, but that's I mean true. that that fits that's a little bit. That's a good point. Hurt, that's but, a good point. They, but yeah, at no other point in the season have just the numerous turnovers been. Yeah, we have to make a change. That's what the coaching staff did with Jeff because Jeff Sims wasn't hurt on Saturday, but he had three turnovers. Right. And and with potentially one drive to go in the game, on your own five yard line. Where your quarterback is taking snaps with his heels on the goal line in his first real snaps of the season. Think about that for two seasons in a row, taking your first meaningful snaps on your goal line. They put in the guy who had limited reps throughout the week, has a a groin injury, and that's going to be potentially his only drive and ended up being his only drive of the game. Right. Yeah. And I wonder, and, and I wonder how much. You know, we've asked this every week. It feels like for three weeks, and and the answer has been. Uh, I guess I'll get to the question first: Is how much do you play turnover avoidance offensive scheme? How much do you play turnover? And I don't think there's anything they can that? do that they haven't already been doing. Like that's probably add into the frustration of the overall quarterback play. Nothing about Jeff Sims' turnovers on Saturday were scheme. Right. They were like he couldn't hold on to a football when a Maryland player ran by number two, and he got one finger, one finger on the nose of the football, knocked it out. Uh, the two interceptions were entirely unforced. There wasn't pressure on him. They were mm-hmm. poor mechanics, poor reads, poor decisions. The Heinrich Harburg interception was terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. part of it, all four interceptions featured two guys around the ball that were Maryland players and one Nebraska receiver. Yeah. Uh, so it's... It's really hard. Like they just aren't seeing the field. They aren't making easy decisions when they're in front of them. Um, it. I don't know that there's anything they short of just like kneeling every third play to not a, passing. You know, I mean, Mike. Not, here's a suggestion we got from one of our listeners earlier this week. If you're a Nebraska quarterback, aim for the defense. <laughs> I mean, we're sort of in this stage of try everything. Yeah, Number one, that Debbie. I, said that and I laughed first, and I was like, actually, I don't know if that's that bad of an idea. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I guess the answer to that, Mike, is obviously you just, I mean, you just reduce passes to a very low number. And, they can't. And, sure you can. I mean, no, they can't. They literally can't. Look, like, they have to win through the air at some point. Maybe. 
Maybe. I mean, maybe. Well, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, have we? So, what's the biggest difference between the Michigan State and the Maryland games and the three wins that they had? They didn't have any pass plays over 35 yards. Right. They had three pass plays that set up scoring drives in but each one of those three games. They didn't have that. They also had turnovers, though. It's not necessarily they didn't they had have turnovers the, in those who, games. We don't know. We don't. I know, but well, yeah, that, that they literally turned the ball over as often in those three games as they were doing in the other two. And the big difference is they hit one chunk pass play okay okay two well, for touchdowns one that helps set well, up the field then only passes that are at least 50 yards downfield so well, no what i'm saying is they have to be able to hit those so you can't eliminate right. passing in general it can't be a game where you only throw it five times and in, in, in all seriousness though like sometimes i do wonder are there i want i watch iowa play for instance i watch some other teams play and it's like they've got a, they've got a playbook of low risk passing play. i mean iowa ran I, I watched the Iowa game in, uh, against uh, Rutgers, and they're running play action bootleg where, all you know, over and over where they put Deacon Hill, who's not a great passer, and he's got you know two tight ends that are just doing drag routes, and it's either there or it's not yeah. for him, basically. And I don't know. I'm not Nebraska's calling. I'm that not an actress in those guys. I don't know. Like the, the just, Michigan State game, Brunts comes back and he's just like you know they were open all over the field. There was guys open everywhere, and the Maryland game. There was open receivers. Jeff Sims wasn't finding them. Like you know, like schematically, they're not. They're not like reinventing the wheel. They're running simple routes. They're running concepts that work against man and against zone. Like you can't physically make your quarterback see it if he's not looking for it. Um, and they don't have. This is I mean, crazy. Heinrich Harburg missed guys on his first drive that were just streaking open. <sighs> this like, is crazy. I, I, I know what you want. I understand it. I don't think they have the ability to do it. I don't think they physically have quarterbacks that are patient enough or willing enough to just take those or can see them. Um, you know, and it it might just be because they don't work on those specific, you know, pass routes enough. I don't know. Running back out of the backfield, which I is mean, something we like, you know we saw a couple of throws to Josh Fleeks, I think, in that three game winning streak in October, and I'm thinking they get down to the goal line on Saturday against Maryland. Just one of those quick throws and let him try to win in a foot race to the corner of the end zone. Like what, Mike, I watch an NFL asset. What happens on every NFL play when a quarterback drops back? Running back stays back to block, and then what does he do? He's a safety valve. He's a safety valve. That guy's safety valve is there every play, it seems right. like, in the NFL. Well, you do For these third down too. backs or a tight end. Yeah. I mean, they're, con- they're always – you watch NFL, you see that running back. I know because a lot of times I'm watching the running backs. I need the running back to score points for me on my fantasy team. <laughs> well, because you and need I'm, them to catch passes because they don't actually Right, and, I'm, the and I'm like, there. I'm like, there's A.J. Dillon, right? Uh, and now you can do that. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. What segment are we talking about that big trade? Uh, but anyway. But you're right. It, it's one of the things that you see in this, this offense and this coaching staff is talked about getting guys pro-ready. And you've seen at times where – Someone will either run a good route out of the backfield, or they'll block really well. But you don't see the combination, uh, and even for the tight ends of it, block for two counts and then just turn and set up because there's nobody else in front of you. Like all the linebackers have vacated the area. Right. Like you, you never see that. But also to Mike's point, I don't think any of the quarterbacks are patient enough that after a count and a half to go, okay, I have to dump it down here. 
Right. They're, they're going like, to force it up into I double I don't even coverage. know. Have we seen much in terms of checkdowns this year? Like when they've had to no. throws to running backs, it's been designed. No, it doesn't seem like it's no. there. No. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like right. that guy, that emergency guy is, oh, I'm freaking out. I'm going here. Right. Or where's, you know, where's the Fedoni route that's just a three-yard pop pass, right? Where's that at? Uh, especially against the zone, yeah. you know. I mean, Fedoni has sort of just dis- he disappeared against Maryland. He should be I, a safety blanket those, for these quarterbacks. It's one of those. It feels like when Harburg isn't in, it's like Sims doesn't look for his tight ends. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah. it was Harburg. Yeah, you're right. Harburg did look for right. him particularly, but a lot of times it's 15 yards downfield. I know. I want that guy three yards right. downfield. And let's see what he can do with the ball then. Yeah, it's fascinating because Nebraska has a bad passing offense, and a lot of bad passing offenses are like dink and dunk, but their bad passing offense is like intermediate right. to long. Yeah, I'd like to see a little dink and dunk. All right, see, I can't believe I'm saying that. 629. <laughs> All right, we'll take a lively first segment. we got more coming up. Friday Oscar Tailgate on KLIN. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, 632, let's go. Fantasy Huskers. Final week. Uh, not final week, second to last week. Final day of the second to last week. And ultimate is what they call that. Final time on a Friday. Final time on a Friday. Your final chance if you haven't got the uh, gear. I wonder what people use their alumni hall gift cards for. This should be for. Uh, shirts, hats, what the hot items there Yeah, send is. us pictures of what New you got. New Herbie gear. Uh, Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What it is. But anyway, uh, if you uh, win Fantasy Oscars, you get $50 from Alumni Hall, $50 from Valentino's. Uh, but you got to pick, get a pick to win, and to get a pick, you have to text us the keyword. The keyword today is unit, unit, U-N-I-T, unit. unit. Uh, if you get the pick, we will be asking you when are the last points of the game scored by either team between Nebraska and Wisconsin. Mike, the first two picks were zero 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 in the fourth quarter. The second pick was overtime. So <laughs> I like those picks a lot. So, what what is our it's a early great, great way to get a start? Where is our earliest pick right now? Um, you have to get all the way to three minutes remaining in the fourth quarter to where we got to pick. Everything <laughs> else crazy. is after that. That's Brent, by the way. Robert says 245 remaining. Catherine, 216 remaining. Other Phil, 130. Number one, Debbie, 123. Gryffindor, Steph, 29. And then Tom with no time remaining. Matt with overtime. I mean, keep in mind, you could have a 5-3 to three game in the second quarter and nobody could score again the rest of the game. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's definitely in play here. I like the... I. I I like the idea of staying late in the fourth. Uh, maybe someone wants to grab like 4.30 remaining, something like that, because then you have to allow for the potential that the last yes. score occurs, and then there's just futile offense that right. follows. <laughs> but the challenge of it. the challenge, that's obviously what you do with this pick, but the challenge of this pick is the next person who goes can right. do one second earlier than you. So you got to go far enough early to prevent that. I don't know. Which at least gives you a window somewhere. I think I would go like six, 
six-ish minutes, maybe, maybe seven, to make that tenth pick think. But anyway, you do what you want. I'd probably just go one minute left in the game. That kind of splits the difference between uh, no, I'm one, going the 123 other direction. and 23. I'm, the, I'm definitely going the other I direction. I say just pepper the last no, two minutes what of the wins game. This, what wins this game? Okay, so if the you were to just the end point, if you right were to take like fourteen thirty left in the fourth quarter, you would have all of that time between then and and three o'clock, or do you only get or three o'clock first quarter? You'd have the entire three minutes as it stands right now. You have the beginning of the game to that point. Okay, so as, it, as well reverse, as yeah. you would have and the, the halfway, halfway point yeah. between you'd, three. You'd and have you'd have like ninety two percent of the game. Yes, yeah. basically. I still think I would set it at four thirty or five o'clock. Why am I? I can't talk. <laughs> this is, Mike's giving us actual. Right. We're not, by the way, just to clarify, we're not asking for the time on your clock. Yeah, no. When the last that'd be an interesting one though. The maybe, last touchdown. Maybe the, the interesting game thing a, here is just don't listen to me. Listen to these two. It'll guys. be at they five talk. o'clock in L.A. And uh, <laughs> all right, play us some sound from uh, from this week. Well, we're going to start out talking about that final offensive play oh, for Nebraska. Continue to bring this up. Okay. Well, it's kind of the last time Nebraska had the ball, so yes. Uh, Matt Rule talked about that final interception against Maryland. It's a it's a good play call. That So the play is very simply, it's it's a play that every team in the world runs. It's, it's three-man routes. It's double under with a corner route, right? And so basically versus man, the two guys run the under routes. They chase the under routes. You have a one-on-one corner. It's incomplete or, you know. So, um, you know, they zero blitz, it's 90 protection, there's a gap protection, Fedoni stays in, you know, he's not going to get hit. And it's just a confluence of events, right? It's, you know, it's, 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 we take a long time coming out of it by number one. So a lot of people, I think, thought we were trying to throw the ball to number one. And because it looks like the ball's going to number one, it's Billy flattens that rat out because the guy kind of undercuts him. And, you know, really, we'd love to just see Chubb put that ball in the back corner and those guys get out of the way a little quicker. So it just wasn't quite executed exactly right um which you know again when it comes down to execution it falls on me and um you know their kid their, their kid made two unbelievable plays i mean that corner made on a double move to beat the safety he ran back and picked the ball off and on that play he's playing the guy man and comes off of it and picks off the inca so when you look at the tape it looks really really bad <laughs> let me just say that it looks really really bad and i get that <laughs> and i'm not sitting here saying that for the players you know the play clock was running down on us things were going fast i think originally they wanted to run you know, sat one to run a pick play by one, two, and three, um, and uh, you know, um, we we got we, we kind of got to see what they're in because I didn't want to put Chubb in a bad position where it all of a sudden it goes to zone. He he's had no reps in any of these plays this week, and um, you know that play happened. So I wouldn't put that on Chubb. I wouldn't put that on anybody but me. But um, that is what that play is. It's you know we call it it's, it's Indy. It's old Peyton Manning, right? Two unders with a corner out. First man, you throw the corner out. They just kind of got too close together. So that's. Uh, that's one of those ones I, I wake up at 2 in the morning thinking about, you know, like, hey, that's on me. Uh, okay, so an interesting thing there is that Chubb didn't have any reps on that at all last week, which, you know, makes you, I guess you felt like after three turnovers you couldn't have Sims in there anymore, but, you know, you, you're putting a guy in who, who didn't have those reps whatsoever. Um, that's number one. I mean, listen, I, I, Mike, I know you, I think I think the vast majority of people I'm talking to believe that, Running the ball in that situation, getting the field goal, or getting a touchdown on the running play, by the way, which also could have been possible, wouldn't have been that that crazy. Um, either way, gives you a better percentage chance to win the game. You do what gives you the best chance to win. Well, yeah, game, you need points to win the game. Yeah, and 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 the idea. Look, I don't. I, the the idea that like playing, getting a field goal there is one thing, but playing a touchdown is playing to win. 
I guess I would get that if you were down three points, but you win the game just as much if the game ends with a field goal as it does with a touchdown, right? That's the last, you're not trying to, you know, cover a spread or something. It's, mm-hmm. they both win the game. If, if the defense gets a stop, it's just what the, you know, either way, either way, you get a touchdown or a field goal, the offense can come back and tie it. In the, the same way, it's just, it's just which one is more. It's all a game of percentages, right? And it, it's it's hard for me. It would be hard for me to understand an argument outside. And listen, I get it in the moment. It's not easy. I can't do it. I wouldn't do it. Uh, any of those things. But I would have. A, I would love to hear an argument saying that pass play percentage wise gave Nebraska a ch- better chance of winning that game. I I've, just, I've got three quick takeaways from from that last play and the explanations okay. from it. Number one. Uh, the folks saying that, well, you needed a touchdown because Maryland got a touchdown in under 30 seconds earlier in the game. Well, they only did that once. It's not like that was going to happen. No, this ev- defense has given up time. four touchdowns in a month, yeah. right? I mean, or whatever it is. So, so you've got that. Yeah. Number two in the explanation was that Sad originally wanted to run a pick play. So out of that, we got they wanted to run a pass play, and then they decided to run a different pass play. That tells me there was there was no discussion, no desire to want to run the ball in right. that situation either. And potentially where you're at, Emmett Johnson might score. I realize they they had a, a minus two on the play before, but at the very least, you get Maryland to burn a timeout. Yes. And number three, when you watch any of the replay, you can see that Purdy clearly had no reps with, with those types of plays. Whereas at the very least, when he he looks over there, you can see that Malachi got jammed at the line. And is going to be late getting late clearing, and when he's looking over there at the same time, you see Kemp is running too flat. He's not running to the corner. You just fall down. You lose five yards and let the throw clock roll, or throw it out of the Either end zone. Way. That stops the clock. Whichever way, you find something that you don't look over there and go, "Oh, both receivers are yeah. do, are, are in the wrong spot," and you still throw it. Yeah. If you're the coach and the quarterbacks here in the NFL, you say, "If it's not there, get rid of it," or or. Or go down. a problem for yeah. Nebraska's quarterbacks in addition to all the other problems. They don't yeah. tend to just throw the ball away, which yeah. is unusual. Um, well, he did two plays earlier, actually, though, um, <laughs> to be honest. Two plays too late? Yeah, in that one. Yeah, it, it, and I guess the other thing, I mean. Two plays too soon, I guess. Hindsight, too, you run at all three of those plays. You They probably they may use all their timeouts, or if not, you run you run the play clock off there every single one. And, and you know, the defense would have had to do its job, but it would well, they're, they're going to be expected to do the job either way. Like, that's right. the, the argument of the, the touchdown, I guess, is like, yes, then, you know, they have to defend the entire field and they can't just get to the 35 and try a 52 yard field goal. Okay. But if you don't score, you still have to defend the entire field and they can still score yeah. on less of it. So it's, yeah. I just, it just doesn't make sense. It just listen. It's not a conde- con- full, you know, co- full condemnation on this coaching staff forever and ever. Whatever. It, I mean, bad, right? Bad, right. No, bad play I mean, calls. Bad play it's, calls. It's one decision. But it just, yeah. But in this, in this game, it's frustrating because it was. This is the second game in a row, and especially this one, it just feels like such a missed opportunity. Yeah. And the season is starting to have the potential to feel like a missed opportunity, given the defense and given the schedule that you've got. Well, and given and the, the ability, quarterback situation, and given given the well, I'm just saying m- missing. It feels like a missed opportunity because you've got these two things that work uh, way gotcha. in your favor, yeah. and you have a chance to build a lot of momentum going into next well, year. Well, as we talk about all of that in the offensive side of the ball, there were a lot of critiques of of the offense, the play calling, the in offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield, especially Matt Rule addressed that on Monday. Yeah, I, I think I think they I think that's part. Of, the fans should do that. I have no problem with that. 
Fans can be, should be critical of me. Fans should be critical of Sat. Fans should be critical, like, you come to the game and you sit there and you're like, okay. And, and for me, though, start, you know, we got this many guys. That's not, that's not who I am, right? I do think we've, I do think, I think, okay, and I would say well, even within the coaching community when people play us and they talk to us afterwards, I think in year one with as many injuries as we've had and different things that have happened, like, like you know, We've never made an excuse. We've always showed up each week, and we battle, and we're in every game, and we have a chance to be in every game. I think our guys are fighting their tails off. And um, you know, I never talk about changing a culture, but I do believe in instilling a culture. When you instill a mindset and a culture and a process, I think all of that's happening. And I think if people can't feel that, then I. But if you say to yourself, like, "Hey, are we? Is this heading in the right direction?" And you know, so um, I mean, I got a true freshman, Jalen Lloyd, catching balls behind his hip. You know, like. It's just, it's just, it's just going to continue to get better and better and better. So, um, the answer in life sometimes is always just to change everything, right? Players want to transfer. Everybody wants their, their, everybody wants their, co- their head coach to fire everybody. Like, has that has that worked out here? Where has that worked out? We're just firing assistant coaches and coaches and coordinators. So we want the co- we want the whole offense to start over again with a whole new language next year. Like, I'm not doing that. It's ridiculous. So we're gonna we're gonna just be exactly who I said we're gonna be. We're gonna be a day by day organization that gets better and better and better. We're gonna get through year one. Okay, most of our guys on offense are coming back. We'll get better and better and better. And then you know, like you're, some of you guys that you're on the field before the game you usually see me walking around the field. A lot of times I walk with players. A lot of times I walk with hurt players, right? And I'm walking with like Ramir and Deshaun, and I'm like, Hey, Gabe. Hey, Gabe Irvin, just imagine you at 240 pounds coming down the stretch here in November next year. Like, so, uh, um, you know, Marcus is, Marcus is fighting and scratching and punching and willing to get this thing as good as we can get it. Um, that's what all the guys are doing. And, um, you know, I'm pr- I just couldn't tell you how proud I am of guys. Like, Malcolm Hartzog didn't practice last week. And all of a sudden, he's got to go from playing. And he comes in and practices on Friday a little bit, right? And then he's got to go from safety to corner. So he goes out in the game and they hit him on a big play, right? And man, like, like he's fighting for the team. What do we do? We go yell at him? Like, so yes, fans should absolutely. Like, I'm not here saying that. I'm just saying for me, when it comes to me, I prefer to take all the heat for everything that happens because this is everything that happens here is, is runs by me. And yeah, I mean, five turnovers falls just on the same page. It falls dead on my face. Like I can't just trust me. If you guys know, I don't sleep very much to begin with. I I lay in bed at night like five turnovers. Like, what are we talking about, man? But the answer is, what's the answer? The answer is just to just keep getting a little bit better as best I can and, and uh, hope that this week we put it all together. Well, there's a lot there. Um, uh, uh, my, my initial reactions, I'll be curious what you guys are. I mean, I think, first of all, sometimes I think when the, when the explanations didn't quite make sense about that play, I think it's because Rule doesn't want to say something that sounds like he's throwing his offensive coordinator under the bus and saying, yeah, it was a bad play call. When perhaps his offensive coordinator was really the one who was making that play call, I I think that's why it sounds disjointed when the explanation happens. To be honest, and the things that I just criticized about winning the, I think that's the case, right? So for better or for worse, I think that's probably probably the case here. Um, and I agree with him on listen, f- fire lust in college football is ridiculous, right? If you ever. You ever see there's this Twitter account called Message Board Geniuses, and they're always, you know, showing crazed fans after losses wanting to fire everyone when it makes no sense. And so I've tend I tend to believe that as well. I'm not I'm not on there. In fact, listen, my biggest criticism, I think, right now, and I think it's something they have to address, and I don't think it's something they fire anyone over, but the fact that it's not that that play call was called, it's much less that than 
you don't have a quarterback on the roster right now that can that can make these plays, that can throw the ball. So whether that goes to roster building before the year, whether it goes development during the year, whatever it is, that to me is the biggest, I think, the, the, the biggest issue with the way that the offensive coaching has happened. More than anything, more than the style, run versus pass, all of these things, it's that you get to this point in the season and you just don't have quarterbacks that look like they've been in a program for a year. And That's how, it. And how do you coach guys to recognize what they're what they are specifically good at and will have a successful outcome with? Because right now it's they're not really successful at throwing the ball downfield unless the guy has a twenty yards between him and the next guy. And even then a couple of times it's hit right. and miss. Right. Or or when to make a decision to do this or that. It just doesn't look like guys recognize where they'll be successful versus unsuccessful in a large majority of the plays. Yeah. I mean that that's it for me. That's number 1. Is you shouldn't I mean you, we're in a place now, Mike, like you were talking about. You were talking about how bad the situation is right now. The fact that you're in it to me is the is the biggest thing that's got to be fixed. Yeah, I I never thought Marcus Satterfield was going anywhere. So I yeah. I think that, you know, the comments for that was largely to just quell the idea in people's right. minds. Like, look, this is going to be my guy. And I, I appreciate that approach. Like, I, I really do. Like, rather than just letting it twist in the wind, rather than ignoring it, um, I appreciate that he basically stood up and like, this is my offensive yeah. coordinator and this is what we're going to do. And I understand some people are going to be very mad about it. And they think that Marcus Satterfield is what's holding this team back. I find that notion pretty funny, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly. Like you guys watch the same games I do. I don't think the play calling is the biggest right. problem here. So, uh, yeah. That's what I just yeah. said. Yeah. So, I mean, we can quibble about whether he's really a, a quarterback's coach or if he's the right guy for that. Yada, yada, yada. I don't really care. Like, I mean, their issues go far, far beyond just whoever is calling the plays. Um, the other stuff that's in there, like, I, I agree. Like, they, I think they're a better team right now than they were in the Minnesota game. No. I don't know that that's a real hard, like, I think that's a hard thing to argue against. They're not getting necessarily great results, but they're also traversing a really difficult year with a lot of injury. Uh, I can't believe, again, I never thought this would be as, you know, big as it is right now, but having Gabe Irvin would make such a big difference Ooh. for what this this team is. They're clearly not comfortable calling the same plays for Gabe Irvin as they are uh, Emmett Johnson, and they don't know that those runs would work or have the same effect. I know there's a lot of people that like him to just run Emmett Johnson 30 times. They seem very unwilling to do that. Yeah, I want to talk I'm about not that sure. Later. I'm not sure if that's just an Emmett thing. I don't know if that's just a they think it's too predictable. I'm not really sure why. Uh, but they clearly aren't willing to do that. Where if they had Gabe Irvin, I think they would really lean on him. Yeah. And again, could be an experience, could be uh, you know the ability to run different plays specifically, or just the sort of punishment he can handle. But those are the things that I found sort of interesting in that answer. And I, I think again, you'd be hard pressed to tell me that this isn't a much better team than the last few iterations yeah. of it. I mean, and at the same time. They're not good enough to where they want to be. And they know that, and he knows that. Right. And so this is where you have two opportunities to try to get that six win. I know he made that remark earlier that you don't want just one more. I think fans around here would be pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It would be, it's because the, because the, the opposite, alternative is, the alternative is scary worse. because yeah. it feels, uh, honestly, it feels like a macro version of what's happened in, in some games, basically, sure. where something goes wrong and you and can't then, finish it. And then it, you can't, yeah. you can't finish it. It, that's, that's the thing that, so many Nebraska fans are 
clenching for mm-hmm. right now at, at this point. Before we play this last clip, we're talking about the, the issues on the offensive side of the ball. The thing we're not talking about, offensive line, getting getting the play calls in. When's the last time Nebraska football went two games in a row without a single offensive penalty? Yeah. And the I, only I, penalty I, called on Saturday was a bad one, by the way. Right. But, Tommy but, Hill got pulled into that receiver by the receiver, and then they awarded Back-to-back the games, no holding, no delay of game, and I know they've used timeouts to, to stop some of those. Still, yeah. And no false starts, no no illegal the formation. The false starts is the best part of all like, of Like, out of all yeah, that. So the, many of those the, over the, the years. The offense has had great improvement, but also has had debilitating injuries and players in positions right. to, to where the team's not Listen, as successful there, as they could be. There, to your point, Kel, there are a lot of good things. And we have, squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? We haven't even, the defensive coaching has been fantastic. Right, yeah. The defensive coaching has been you know, kind of above my wildest dreams, to be honest, for this. And so squeaky wheel, and it just so happens. It's hard to imagine what your wildest dreams yeah, are. They're beautiful. I don't know that I want to <laughs> You be. should see them. Uh, I don't. <laughs> Pass. Uh, but I know you're going to play the other clip, but... When the when the quarterback situation is the problem, it is so front and center, and it impacts everything. And it just so it becomes bigger than it maybe is in relative to everything. Else. And the, so, the final clip just, is on the quarterbacks rule on Monday, Satterfield <laughs> on Tuesday, and then rule again okay. yesterday. Heinrich has a pretty good ankle sprain, so um, we'll see if he can do anything tomorrow. Uh, Chubba came out of the game a little bit banged up. You know, hasn't played much, so he's a little bit banged up from uh, you know getting hit. Um, Jeff healthy, so we'll go through the week and um, probably probably come all the way up to game time in terms of uh, you know who will play. So obviously each guy brings a little bit something different to the table. So we'll have you know sort of a pretty diverse plan and um, you know see who, see who's able to go. But I won't be able to comment on Heinrich till after I see him tomorrow if if he can do anything at all. We're getting them all ready. Uh, Heinrich was limited uh, today. He got to be out there though and go get a lot of mental reps. Uh, Chuba and Jeff both. Uh, split the reps today in team periods and, and did a really nice job. Yeah, Heinrich's going to practice tomorrow. Um, you know, he's uh, he's obviously been out there on a limited basis. You know, Chubb and Jeff have gotten most of the reps. Um, but uh, I know he definitely wants to play. He's pushing to come back and play. And so, um, you know, we'll see how he does tomorrow and get him to the game, warm him up. Um, he'll definitely be available in some capacity, but whether he starts or not, um, you know, I think it'll just be depend- it depends on how he feel- feels at game day. You know, we obviously wouldn't want to put him out there if we weren't able to run him and run the option and do the things that he does best and so he uh you know he'll 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 test it full speed again tomorrow and see if uh, see if he has the same you know same same good results. I think Jeff and Chubb have done a really nice job this week. Um you know obviously anytime you have uh, the kind of the things that have transpired last week um you know I think everyone comes in um determined you know knowing that they can knowing that they can you know fix some of those things. I think we fixed a lot of things as a staff as players um they they both you know with a chance knowing, like, hey, I get all the reps. You know, they've they've been able to get a lot of reps, and they've done a really nice job. And so, um, you know, we're prepared to play either one or both. Yeah, we'll bring those three, and uh, we're bringing Luke Longville, uh, who we you know we brought to Minnesota. You know, we'd love to bring our fourth quarterback all the time, either to signal and help, um, or you know, you know, to be ready to play in an emergency role. But uh, you know, sometimes we can't bring him in some games. But you know, we we're banged up at some other spots too, so we have some room. So Luke um, does a great job for us. So. Luke will come along, and um, but you know we have we have three quarterbacks we know will be healthy for the game and expect uh, one of those three to be out there at all times. All right, make of it what you will. If Luke Longville is the hero this week, though, wow, what a story! What a story if that happens?
654, we'll take a break. You listen to Friday Husker Tailgate on KLIN. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 656, Alan K. Today with Jack Friends on Caleb. All right, we talked a lot about quarterback. Uh, Caleb, uh, any other injury updates that, that we should win? Quentin Newsom was out last week, which, you know, uh, was tough, which mattered. Yeah. Uh, do we yeah, expect that, that, him back this week? Deal. Do we expect him back this week, or do we not know here? Well, it was what a uh, shoulder injury that popped up late. So it's kind of a... Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Marul described it sort of, I think, after the game as a freak thing. I don't know that. It means that he's necessarily out for Wisconsin, but his status remains somewhat to be determined. Yeah, I don't. Okay, that's... we'll know. We'll know more at four thirty tomorrow. Yeah, it's basically. Yeah, with uh, well, and you know, Big Ten putting out these injury. That's how I found out Quentin Newsom was mm-hmm. out yesterday. Is the Big Ten putting out the the injury reports? And then I guess the other question, just health wise, is, and we can get into this a little bit more later. But wh- where is Billy Kemp? You know, in terms of health right now, is he close enough to a hundred percent that he becomes a more you know, you saw, he was catching passes last he was week. In he last was able week. to do I that. I assume if so, he's in, he's good to go. Yeah, That's I guess so. And Whether he, was, he can turn it loose remains to be seen. And he was listed as the uh, the slot receiver on the depth chart. I know that that's been hit and miss on a few things every now and then, but right. he was listed there, and that means no Jaden Doss. And the conversation becomes for him: Can you? Is he needed to go in because? Kemp can't go in and catch balls, and that potentially saves a redshirt, saves a year of eligibility yeah. for Doss. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think. Yeah, to Mike. To Mike's point, I. Yeah, he's obviously healthy enough to play. He played last week, and they're not going to play Doss. I wonder if he's. And if that's the case, I wonder how much you start utilizing him. I think going into the second half of the season, we thought he might be a pretty big well, factor. Northwestern, he was going to be the focal yeah. point. We never got to see what that's that what I'm thinking like. of. And so, <laughs> you know, maybe you try to do that again with Wisconsin. I. The interesting thing with this Wisconsin team is you just don't know what they're going to yeah. do defensively. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk more about that. We'll give out helmet stickers coming up after the break. 31 degrees in the capital city on KLIN. Boca like the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody is thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. It's hit dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics. Who showed out this week? We award helmet stickers next. Presented by Blur Events on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. Friday Husker Tailgate, Nebraska, Wisconsin edition trophy game. Anybody, can anybody tell me without looking it up the name of the trophy or anything with this game? 
Is this uh, the Freedom one? It's, it's the Freedom one, freedom. and Nebraska has never won it. Because they unveiled it before Nebraska won the last time against Wisconsin. Yeah, it would have been when they switched when they changed the division from Legend to Leader of the East and West. You know, for one one reason I want Nebraska to beat Wisconsin is so the last time that they beat Wisconsin is not when they wore those avoid the noid alternate uniforms. Which the best is the alternate uniforms. Stop. Like if you're going to wear alternate uniforms, you should wear something that's really out there and strange, and they did it that one time, and then they just started introducing less interesting alternate Those did not Oh, let's just wear a black uniform. Those did not age. Oh, I think they look tremendous. (laughs) They bring them back this week. I would love it. That'd be... You get the Whataburger W for Wisconsin again? Whataburger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not my fave. But I, that was a fun game. I do you remember that game? That did not go so well. And Nebraska has seriously not beat Wisconsin since that time. My goodness! I mean, holy cow! You've got the you've got the Melvin Gordon game in there. You've got you've got a lot of a lot of sadness. You had a, the the couple phantom pass interference or non called pass interference calls that have hurt Nebraska. Yeah, in Luke this. Gifford be tackled on a third and eight that Alex Hornibrook was able to pick Hornibrook, up right in front of the yes. official and they don't call it in twenty right. is that twenty nineteen? No, twenty twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen at home. twenty eighteen. Was that the yeah. one when Crookshank had two punt return or two kick returns for Wisconsin? No, that was twenty nineteen. Uh, that was in Lincoln. So yeah. twenty eighteen, um the the drive before Hornybrook hit uh Aaron Williams right in the numbers for a pick mm. six. Nebraska ties it up. The stadium's rocking. Like people right. are really fired up. That was seventeen. That, that was, was Mike was Riley. That was seventeen, yeah. That was but yes, Aaron up Williams, in that, yeah. that got into the uh that got into the tailgate intro the next year. Yeah. Because it was that was like one of the last huge, crazy yep. moments at Memorial Stadium, actually. That's a and good then call. they had that super long drive that was sustained on just an awful missed call by the Big Ten in the uh on if you go back and you watch the play. Luke Gifford is just basically mauled by the right tackle from Wisconsin. Remember, there's like a 40-year stretch where it was illegal to call holding on yes. Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, this was during that 40-year stretch. Yeah, now it's open season. Well, that's what I I, would, we, I was talking to Greg and Greg Sharp yesterday, and he was telling me how many holding calls Wisconsin, yeah. how hurt they got by them in the last game, and I I didn't know that that had was been legal? changed. Yeah, they changed. I wasn't it. aware that Wisconsin- Tony Petiti came in and said, "You know what? Holding needs to be called equally." And double on well, Michigan. Then, Let's see it. Well, then whatever. If he listen, I don't care what he does with Jim Harbaugh if he reforms that or his TV contract. To be honest, if he did that, that was the number one problem with the Big Ten, Let in my scout opinion. As long as you I'm, call holding. Listen, right? Connor Stallions can go. He can come into my house. I don't really care if he's gonna. If they're gonna call holding on Northwestern or Wisconsin, that's amazing. Yeah. I don't know about Northwestern, but Wisconsin. Oh, North, been... Northwestern. You just assume they play the right way, and so they're not holding. They're is, so is smart. What's happened? Yeah, they're too smart. To even did you guys mock the extension all week? Uh, uh, the David Brown one? The no, the, did I mock it? No, well, yeah, you I mock mean, everything else, Wisconsin or not Wisconsin? Well, here's, so then, listen, honestly, it it makes you wonder what they've been doing a lot of the last several years that they're able yeah. to do this with David Braun this year and have uh, this successful of a year. Like he should win Coach of the Year. I don't mind. think Pat Fitzgerald was doing that this year. Oh, I think they were a two-win team with Pat Fitzgerald, yes. and I thought they were a one-win team Which, with David Braun, and they, I mean, they're going to go to the bowl game. It's hard because that gets to my larger point. When, if they beat Iowa, they probably represent the Big Ten West. Yeah. Yeah. And they lost 10-7. It's to crazy. Seven. And we came into the season thinking one win, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe they beat UTEP, I think, was the they're one. They're the best U- team Nebraska's played post-Michigan. You think so? Yeah. 
Really? Interesting. Well, they the beat all the other teams, or they, yeah, they, they have an opportunity to beat all of those other teams. But I, I think they're better than Illinois. No, I they're mean they're better than uh, uh, Purdue. They're better than Michigan State, and they're better than Maryland. First of all, and we're going to get to this, but you don't hire him, and then right away you you have a situation like Wisconsin has this year, right? Right, and we can we can get into that, but that's exactly what happened with Wisconsin. Although Braun probably did better than than uh, Leonard did for Wisconsin, yeah. so. It was even an easier decision for them in in that situation, but no, it's um, he he's done what he's done is incredible. He's a good coach. He's obviously a really good coach, and Matt Rule congratulated him right off the bat at the uh, uh, at the press conference on Thursday. So, yeah, you already close up part of the Big Ten coaching carousel before it even starts. Yeah. Although, I feel like there'll probably be some more. I feel well, like well, you got Michigan State still more. out there, right? You got Michigan State that's out there. I assume there's a decent chance you'll have Michigan out there, although I don't know. That's that place is just becoming like a cult, so I have no idea what's what's going on there. Maybe they're going to make Jim Harbaugh their holy leader there out there for whatever the cult of Michigan is happening. <laughs> because he it's amazing watching a, an it's, academic institution that holds itself to such high regard, just all the way in bed with cheating is fine. It's uh, it's yeah, it's. It's, I would love to go before the academic board and be like, what are you going to do, suspend me? You know what you're it is? that guy a couple million dollars. It's a cautionary tale is what it is. For all of us, you, you know, in the way that we, I think people tend to support their their program to a fault. But at some point you can do it and it just looks really weird and not particularly flattering. And, and that's then you what, stop fighting when you realize that there's going to be a mountain of discovery against you and you don't actually want right. to go through the U.S. court yeah. system. Yes, is that what you do? I, I have mean, a question you for talk you guys. really, really big, and then you have the weakest little bark of a tiny terrier yes. as soon as a big dog yep. comes into the yard. A Just qu- a joke. Your question, Keller. Um, eight eight minutes into the segment, do we want to give out any helmet stickers? Yeah, we have plenty of time. We okay. have plenty of time. We were, we were, we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, wanted to I give can be very some, quick with my helmet. Some of, some of the, or uh, I can expand them. Too. I have a concern that we're going to be uh, unanimous on two out of three this week. Maybe. No, two, two out of three. That's okay. that was my guess coming out of the game, but maybe I'm wrong on that. We'll see. You All don't right. know me. Without, <laughs> go ahead, Caleb. D- tell me who you're giving one to. Jevin, right? Yep, me too. Same. All right. All right. There's one. <laughs> <laughs> care to care to explain your uh, your decision? Give I one thought to he, he played really Jevin well. An, inter- an interception in there. His forced fumble was really good. Oh, so good. Really good when he he came in and was able to get that ball out. I wasn't sure how that ball had even gotten out at first. And who had really done it? But Javin Wright comes in. He just played really, really well. Had a, had a nice game. Anything to add, Mike? Yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to add to that. He's one of those guys that I think has really benefited from Tony White and the, the coaching staff there and their ability to get him into games where he can have the most impact uh, and how he can be the most helpful for you. He's had his ups and downs, but he's one of those guys that will be back next year and could be just a total you know, upperclassman breakout guy. Like, he could go from being pretty good in some situations to just great, and it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Um, yeah, I'll, I mean, for for all the, the critiques we just had about the lack of development at the quarterback position and changing, it's just it's the opposite with a bunch of guys, including him on the defense, um, and him getting not only, right, not only contributing this year early, but getting better as the season goes on, and making the exact kind of play, like that fumble you were talking about, is the exact play that they've been told, the defense told is, hey, you gotta make these. You gotta make these plays. You gotta go get the ball. And he did it. And he did exactly that. He got twice. And so, and he's had uh, what, two other interceptions? One other interception this year, I believe, too. 
Um, and so he has really he has really been a ball hawk in getting the ball, and defense has to continue to do that. But he's he's developed, he's played well, he's gotten the ball from people, and I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see how he plays going forward. He's still a unique guy, Mike, just in terms of his size in that position, too, because he still kind of looks like a defensive back yeah. to some degree. Yeah, well, and he, I mean, I think he kind of always will, even if they continue to add weight on him. I don't know that he's ever going to look like a right. defensive end or a, a linebacker. He's just a he's a fascinating player, and it's it's fun to watch him sort of come into his own. He's had such a weird it's journey tall. with yeah. all the injuries and everything else, so it's great that he's been healthy and just very productive. Yeah. I, I, some of my favorite linebackers in Nebraska history looked like defensive backs. Terrell Farley, uh, De- Demario Williams, they all kind of looked, they were smaller, smallish linebackers uh, as well. So, Eric Hag, he was a good defensive back, though. Levante Peso, David, Peso, Levante David, doesn't anymore, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Caleb. Uh, my second one is Omar Brown, also forced to oh. fumble, picked one up, had a couple of pass breakups. It seemed like we'd gone a, a couple of games without necessarily hearing a lot of Omar Brown. But we, we did on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, oh, hold on. Sorry, I'm looking at the. I didn't mean to make that sound. He's like looking I up was, who Omar I'm, Brown is. I'm, <laughs> no, I know he is. I was adding. He was. He's up at the top of the list. By the way, he's got five helmet stickers. Yep. He's been very good this year. He's, he's been solid uh, this year, and uh, he's uh, one of these guys. He's coming. Is he coming back? Yeah, he's coming back next. No, year. I think no? he's out of eligibility. He's out. He's yeah. one of the seniors. Deshaun Singleton. Singleton. Singleton's. Coming back, who oh, I'm interested too. Is Singleton going to come back still during the regular season? I think we're going to see him for the Iowa game. I'm not positive we see him this weekend for okay. Wisconsin. All right, so Omar Brown gets his fifth, ties him for second overall. I'm still trying to find uh, our Javen Wright one, but go ahead. I am. Uh, I'm curious if this is the other one that Jack thought was going to be close to unanimous. I'm going to go ahead and go with Ty Robinson. He had a sequence. No, it's not. Jack is making a face. Uh, I he thought did not about read him. the room correctly. I considered him. I, I thought it would be someone considered else. Considered so. him. He was the best player on the field yeah. on Saturday. He had a phenomenal he had a game. Great game. There was a sequence where he basically blew up a play, got a sack. They called a penalty because Maryland moved too early, so they took his sack away. And then they tried like a, a sneaky little run play that he shut down immediately. Like he just he had by far the best game of his career on Saturday and it just felt like the sort of dominating performance that statistically backed up how he's kind of been this year. Because there's times where the staff would tell you, like, you know, maybe he only had two tackles, but they wouldn't be anywhere without Ty Robinson right. for the amount of reps that he's given him, what he does to the interior offensive lineman or just the overall offensive line scheme. And he just was very, very good on Saturday, what they need more than anything is a repeat of that, and you get Nash Hutmacher, who is Hutmaker, really good as well, just not as noticeable. Mm-hmm. If those two guys are as disruptive as they were against Maryland, they do it against Wisconsin. Nebraska will again have chances for takeaways, TFLs, you know, get off the field on third. Like, it's very hard to run up the middle on Nebraska's defense right and now. I think Robinson probably deserves some credit, too. You know, he's one of those single-digit... ton of snaps. Si- yeah, played a lot of snaps. Single-digit guy, and I think he's kind of... Si- when you've heard Rule talk about him, when you've heard Robinson talk, he's kind of been, um, you know, the a, a leader on that defense, kind of front and center with the whole thing. I yep. think he's responsible for a little bit of the attitude that they that they play with. And he was talking about it at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year, and I remember him talking about what he thought the defense could be at the beginning of the year, and I was like, well, I'd like to see that. I don't know if I believe it, but but he's um, he's really been that for them. And it's only his second helmet sticker this year. I know. that's wow. He's just been so under, you know, now, I don't even know how to, I don't want to say underappreciated because the coaching staff 
has talked about him all the time. Right. We at large maybe haven't done as good of a job highlighting how valuable he's been for them. But today, is, with this helmet sticker, it's pretty easy because of how good he was on Saturday. Robinson's a good one. I considered him. Um, I probably should have given one since he only has that few. But I also noticed a couple times during the game and, and made a mental note uh, that Marcus Buford was um, was in there again making making some plays. You're going to say two for him? That's another gonna, one. Buford. All right, Buford gets two. Um, somebody was coming off a serious injury last year and j- is just getting in here really for the end of the season, right? The last few games at the very end of the season. This is going to be his his season now, right now, just a little bit. You didn't know how he'd adapt. He's plugged right in, got a lot of plays. He was uh, made a couple of plays in the defensive backfield uh, on on Saturday as well. So, are, are we just going to ignore the corner blitz? Uh, yes, the corner. That's right, the corner blitz. Well, that's that's what I was referring, but yeah. I had to remember. I had to go back and remember the play. I looked at the numbers, and I had forgot that play. Yeah, he had that corner blitz. that I, I tweeted that he started that blitz from Malcolm um, and ended up making the play. I said out loud in the press box, Eric should Andrew just shed a tear right now because he basically <laughs> called that version yes. of a blitz that never yes. got home yeah, a that, million times. That well, that's because anytime he called that blitz, no one else would hold up on the other side and sure. the ball got out of there quick. And you're like, why are you starting a blitz 10 yards off the yeah. ball? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. Do you yeah. guys know they came back to that, but with Tommy Hill? And he didn't have near the effect that uh, Marcus Buford did. Did you see that? Um, I, I think I remember. Yeah, I do so he remember. Comes the flying in and. Uh, Tonga Vailoa is like, all right, I'm just going to step inside here. He's going to go right by me. <laughs> yeah. And went, picked up 18. It was a critical moment in the game, and it really, really hurt. And I, I understand why they did it. He just wasn't rushing in a way that was going to allow him to break down and make that tackle. By the way, and Buford wearing 24 is another guy. I cannot. It, I've got to get my roster out now that he's playing. I just... <laughs> I, after I did, I realized it, who it was. But man, these numbers on defense are killing me this year, Mike. They're yeah. killing me. Well, I, mean, I don't know really who anybody the only is. New introduced. Uh, real quickly, I got a I got a text from a listener. Yes, and he asked, "Can we play Ty Robinson at quarterback and Nash at running back this weekend?" I would like to see it in some tight sets. <laughs> you know, goal line set. I don't have a problem with Just it. Super I'll goal line it. package. Those guys. <laughs> uh, by the way, speaking of numbers, those guys wearing single digit numbers. Not a great look. I think I, I love it. Are you it's kidding not me? A, it is not a good look. I'm fine with it. It is not a good look for I those guys. I have the roster pretty well memorized that there's no longer like a, oh, who's that? I think you should get Mackay Bear and MJ Sherman confused. I actually want it to exclusively be, if you're a single-digit number, those only go to D-linemen. Oh, my that, That's all I want anymore. I can't, I've had a, I don't know, the defense alignment single-digit look is just not... It's not working for me. Could they make the number bigger for those guys? Make it like the Avoid the Noid jersey or something? I don't know what it is. Something doesn't look right. You've got to space it out a little bit. Something too just much jersey. doesn't look right. So I right. have one left. You have one left? Uh, yeah. You I go ahead. Mine, yeah. Yep, you're next. I am, uh, I'm going to give mine to Jalen Lloyd. You heard Matt Rule mention it on the uh, the behind the, uh, the hip his, catch that he had. His second. He had one 25-yard reception. So obviously I'm giving it for his singular play, but really what I'm giving this helmet sticker for, the reps, the amount of work that Jalen Lloyd is getting, he is going to blossom into, I think, a pretty good receiver. He's very dangerous because of that speed. This is a guy that really, up until he transferred over to Omaha West Side, never really been featured much in an offense, really came into his own when Caleb Benning got hurt and they had to use him more at West Side, uh, became, you know, got on Nebraska's radar as soon as Matt Rule was here, 
They offered him. He was someone I didn't think was going to play this year yeah, as me much too. as he has. Yeah. Not only has he burned his red shirt, he's, I think, has had more snaps at wide receiver than any other true freshman um, that they've had at the position this year. And I think he's really setting himself up to be an effective player in his future. And I don't know that I thought he could be an every-down wide receiver the way that he is sort of. I thought he was always going to be a gadget player. And the catch that he made on Saturday tells you that there's a ton of potential. There. And it feels like he's probably got, given what you said, and we talked about this before, Mike, I kind of thought him as a track guy, number one, yep. and a football guy, number two. Or well, number, he maybe he, not, of all, not at all. He's not going to do track at all because of the amount right. of weight that you have to put on. Right. But, and so that that changed the equation immediately. But when Nebraska recruited him, right. I was you didn't like, think that he I was like, be, well, yeah. he's a track guy, right? You know, he's a, they're going to, you know, he's going to get this reference as a fantasy football guy. I thought he was going to be two, two at well, like, right. I, that's how, I thought he would be in there to be the fastest player on the field to help, yes. you know, expend some defensive energy and maybe you hit him on a deep shot once right. a game. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing I'd add to that is you feel like he probably has got a lot of room to grow too. Yeah. Given really that he's fairly up. young, very very high. Um, it's good. And and l- listen, and and Malachi Coleman's been yep. he, again. He has come along mm-hmm. faster than I thought he he would too, as well. Being thrown into the fire right. in a difficult situation. The best thing to come out of Garcia Castaneda and Marcus Washington being unavailable for you is the fact that these freshmen have had to grow up. Right. And you're gonna you aren't getting the benefit right now. You're getting very. No few of those great moments you will reap the benefit their sophomore and right think of game one next year with them coming in now after having played in the big 10 this year as opposed to having redshirted Mm -hmm. or just played in spot duty here going forward because it is different watching watching game film going okay this is what he's looking at here this is what instead you go this is what you're looking. Tell me what you saw. Yep. This is where we want you to go. Think about that. Yeah, what that are the keys inter- you're reading on your route tree here? Why well, the, are you doing this? That, that last you? interception, Malachi Coleman, he he gets pressed at the line and then still tries to go on the route. Well, there, there's the, okay, now here's maybe what you'd want to do. You got pressed, just run directly across the line. Like, don't try to take that deeper. Like, there are different things that you can do, but now they can look at it through their own eyes. Yeah, through their own film and those sorts of things. Only other thing I'll say about Lloyd, too, is the one thing I wish, Mike, is they've tried a couple of kind of gadget plays for him. Not gadget plays, but just like in around to get the, the ball. Somehow, I feel like they haven't, I don't know who I don't know who I'm criticizing here exactly, but like you'll see NFL. You talked about Tutu Outwell, or the Dolphins will do this, and they'll get their they'll find their fastest guy, and they'll get the ball on an end around yep. or something like that, or a Tyree Kill, and they're going like blazing speed yep. by the time they touch the ball. Right? You know what I'm talking about? The timing mm-hmm. or something. They've not done that with him. He's been. He's been a regular. Yeah. He's been a regular. He's been running like a regular wide receiver, not a hundred meter champ, basically. And I want to see. I wish they could that, get yeah. him. I saw a couple of wide receiver plays this weekend in the NFL where they got the ball in a wide receiver's hand on a handoff, and I thought that's if you could get Lloyd doing that, where he's running full speed in the backfield as opposed to having to build up going forward. I think that yeah. those would be much well, even, better plays. Even the plays a few years ago that Frost would run for Xavier Betts, where it's just a yes. little, like, you let him come across the formation, you just let I him don't know what it is. turn up the field and, and do that. You know, I want to see that. I don't know I, if it's, he's coming backwards because they're in the yeah. shotgun and he's got to get forward or what, but he's not building up the speed that right. I think those plays would work with. And I I really, I can't believe we haven't seen it, the, the sort of triple option where you fake to the running back up the middle and you have him work his way back and then he wraps around and the quarterback has him as the option man. Right. 
I, that play has been there, and I, I thought they were setting it up against Michigan State, and then they never actually ran it. That, that's one thing, you know, you haven't seen Coleman, uh, other than the two long passes, you haven't seen Coleman and Lloyd, the two guys who battled yep. in this track. You haven't seen them in the open field showing off their oh, speed other they, than those. The Michigan State game, they're running those uh, drag crossers and yeah, wide open. There. Right. Like, I want to see. Hit those guys and you let them run. Can like, you I hit, want some yak. They haven't been hit. Give me some yak. Like, on Lloyd's touchdown, I could have caught that and scored, right? You didn't need his speed on it. And Coleman. I don't know it. that you would have been down the field as far as where Heinrich harbored through that If ball, you put but. me at where Lloyd was when he caught it, I score that touchdown. <laughs> Without a doubt. How many Just steps do you need you to get in. enough of a steam that he, you're going to outrun 40 yards? How far did he go? Maryland was it 40 the, yards? Was that how much Purdue it was? Defender, I yeah. think I could do it. He was wide open. It's a 70 some yard pass. It's arena league football, and you allow him to run past the line of scrimmage I just, uh, before listen, they snap it. Too. My, my, point is, my point is now that those now that we know those guys can play, how le- many, would you tear both your hamstrings if you had to run full speed to get away from a Purdue defender with the ball to score? I don't know. It's the Big Ten. They don't have that I much speed. I just blew out my knee thinking about you running past those guys. I'd stretch before. Um, <laughs> he stretched before. My my my. Uh, if these now that these, now that we know these guys can play, it would be nice to figure out how to use them as better yeah. weapons. That's it, even still this year yeah. in these last two games is, is I, what I would, I would like say. to see him be more creative. Like part of it that has been annoying is, and maybe they do it these over these final two weeks. Like sometimes when you see teams that are forced into to have to use a quarterback like this, you get the kitchen sink game. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of gadget plays, and you try different yeah. stuff. We haven't really seen that. It's been very, very kind of straightforward. And at the beginning of the year, because Nebraska used yeah. them at the beginning of the year, I they thought, had to because they were like, moving the ball. They're going to use a trick play every game this yeah. year. They, I remember thinking that. I know they have several in the bag of tricks that have not been pulled Ooh. out that I've heard about that have been run at practice that you know I'm excited to see, but we haven't seen. I want to see Malachi or Jay or Lloyd these last two games in you know with the ball in their or hand. Or fleeks. In, that's the third the guy who's got that kind of speed. Yeah. Figure and and if that's short passes, if right. that's end arounds. When are we going to run the fleeks flicker? The, what did you think of the Bonner? Oh my touchdown? gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> I was. Again, this is something I thought you were going to see a lot this yeah. year. Was Janiron Bonner used as a really unique player? And again, a guy who can catch... That was catch, a weird, such a strange play, and it worked. And a guy who can catch the ball out yeah. of the backfield, too, Mike, on just... You know on Madden, that little running back or uh, corner route that they run? Sure. Right? The angle route? I love that play. Use that. Do you roll your quarterback out to get a better... Uh, to get a Not better on that play, on no. That? Not on that. Because okay. he comes right back to the middle. It's okay. nice. And they never cover it. Uh, my last helmet sticker is going to... Uh, is going to uh, Johnson. AI for not being that smart. Is going to Johnson. Uh, uh, or, uh, not Emmett wow. Johnson. I almost said Ramir Johnson. There's a lot of Johnsons on this team. Emmett Johnson. Another. By the way, another five yards per per uh, per carry once again. And <laughs> stop. Another five yards per carry once again. And Mike, to your point, we can talk about this in the morning drive. But as long as he's getting five yards per carry, he's not carrying the ball enough. Yep. In my book. I don't. I sounded like you didn't agree with that. Uh, it's hard because I just don't know. You have that twenty-nine yard run sort of made the day look better than it was overall. Twenty-nine yard run, but you get that twenty-nine yard run because why? You gave him the ball, so it's kind also, of a chicken egg kind of. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Also, that run was ridiculous. That I was, thought he was going to score. On it was it. Un, I I scared my dog. The message board were like shades of Ramir talking, I, or not Ramir. Now I'm doing it. shades <laughs> of Amir talking oh, about dear. the McNeese State game. I just confusing the Johnsons. My today. dog about had a heart attack when I reacted Abdullah. to that one. Seven twenty-nine on KLIN. Chris Lofgren. 
five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Drive on the Friday Husker Tailgate. It's time to count on down with the morning drive brought to you by Stone Bridge Insurance and Wealth Management. I know we've gotten to a lot of these uh, topics a little bit before, but man, they're sticking out right now. So let's uh, continue to delve in with It's become a broken record. Another game where turnovers cost Nebraska dearly. This time, five giveaways a three-point loss. And the biggest discussion in the aftermath of last Saturday's game was the decision to pass on third down late in the game, which resulted in a trouble-burdy turnover. Sorry to sound like a broken record with this question, but what can or should Nebraska do to try and stop the bleeding turnover? Okay, now I can now I can have this conversation with Mike that I, wa- I wanted to have earlier, where... My, my, I've said this about Johnson, Emmett Johnson, several times where I said, if he's still, if he's still getting five yards of carry, he's not carrying the ball enough for Nebraska. I know you said you've got people who are coming to you and say, hey, just run the ball every time. And, and you say, uh, run Emmett every time. And you say, hey, you can't, you just can't do that. What, where, I, I assume you agree you can run him more, though, yeah, right? I, I think his volume could go up. What I'm saying when I say that you can't do that is that they have, what nine guys in the box? I mean, Maryland played nine guys in the box. They were so sure that Nebraska could not beat them over the top passing wise that they're like, Yeah, we're gonna put our corners on an island, we're gonna bring our safeties down. If you run the ball, our safeties are hitting the hole. If you don't run the ball, we'll back out. And we don't think you have a quarterback that can throw it around us, up through us, above us, by us, any of it. And they were right, Nebraska could not do it, they simply could not. Do it. I mean, one of the things when you're sitting up in the press box and you get that full view of the field, and this is also why I think it's good that Marcus Satterfield is up top, but it also tells you what he is seeing is the same thing I am seeing. There is a whole ocean of space, eight yards beyond the line of scrimmage, right. because that is how behind close the they're playing their safeties. Behind the safeties, Their right. safeties are essentially like, we're going to be two and a half back linebackers. Like, so it, it is... That is why you see the passing, because the space that Nebraska can attack is beyond the field. It is really hard to run when they have the sort of numbers that they like. Your your offensive line, which has been so much better in this year than last year, mm-hmm. almost to the point where they've reached where we don't even talk about it because they're better, but they're not like amazing. Right, and so then they're just in that I'll sort of it. like that period where you want your long snappers to be, where you never mention their name right. because they're just. You know, aggressively competent. Right. Uh, so I I think it's really challenging to build a consistent running game when the numbers tell you that they have eight guys to your six. You know, if and maybe seven if you're putting the tight end on the line. So you're you're getting outnumbered. So you're trying to win in the space, but you're not able to win when your quarterbacks can't hit those throws downfield. So it's very very predicated on the fact that no one respects Nebraska's passing game. So then they're trying to pass you to force you to respect it because then when they can get you to back off, they'll hit those inside right. runs. It's, it's to very, run. very difficult to diagram a running game that then allows you to build off of it passing wise because they're already trying to take that away. Yeah. So it's just a, you know, so then it's like, okay, well, why doesn't Nebraska run more straight play action? Partially because I don't think that they think their quarterbacks can do it. I mean, I just don't think that they think that they can turn around, 
fake the handoff, get their head whipped around, read the progressions, and make the right reads. Yeah, seriously, I wonder that. But a, straight- a simple under center turnaround play action. Yeah, run a guy off deep should be there. Man, they just have but they, to, they just don't and they don't roll them out. They don't put their quarterbacks deep, on the move a lot. Have the tight end just go, yeah. do a little in the flat thing as an yeah. option. We talked about checkdowns, right. right? Like have those those as well. I'm sure I don't know. You know, look, I'm not a football coach, and so it's way same way I'm more difficult. But here's but I also a, just Mike, I can do the numbers on it, and it's a lot easier to block. You know, seven against six than it is seven against eight. You also can kind of see when you explain it like that, and you hear and see about so many open receivers that aren't getting hit, you can kind of see why they yeah. they do are tempted at least to go back to the pass so often. Because it looks like they're gonna hit one. Right. And they've only hit them in that that belly option play. Really down the field and then the one throw that Harburg had to to Marcus Washington for thirty nine yards against Illinois. Out of their goal line. Yeah. Which right. which, which was again, mainly like run after catch. And you threw it up and you let him make a play. Yeah. And I don't think I don't know if the quarterbacks aren't comfortable letting Jalen Lloyd and Malachi Coleman do that. I'm not sure what the rationale but that's, is. Honestly, it's a little sh- it's a little surprising that... I would let Malachi Coleman go for a 50-50 ball every... Like, I like my odds in that situation. Right, and again, you throw it deep like yeah. that, there's a lot of... They used to say when you pass the ball, there's only you know three things that happen, only one's good. When you pass it deep, there's like four things that happen, and three of them are good. <laughs> it feels like. Depending Especially on, on down third down. Distance, yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah, th- but I, I get it and I'm with you. Um, and that's why it's frustrating. And that's why again, when you have games like Michigan State where you are able to scheme guys open and your quarterback isn't finding them, that has to be so aggravating for Marcus Satterfield. And that and it's because wh- everyone thinks you're calling bad plays and you're up there and it's like if you could see my view, you know that these are bad I think, plays. I think he thinks he's on the verge of hitting a bunch of these. And well, does and, too. And I think it's. And I don't think it's a hard yeah. like even with the quarterbacks that they've got, I think that he thinks that they're eventually going to see the open receivers. There and they don't take them. Yes. Yeah. So maybe it'll start happening. And I, so let me let me put it this way, and people can disagree with it. The quarterback play has been exponentially worse than the play calling. Okay. So like that only enhances to make you think the play calling is that bad. And then you could argue that the job of the play calling is to make the quarterback I mean, look good. Again, he can't physically go throw the football. Mike, so many of the interceptions have not even been like great plays by defensive backs. Even. No, they just they've been, been thrown in. Into they've bad either coverage. been thrown into bad coverage yep. or be, or huge overthrows. Yep. Usually, yeah. that's what almost all of them have been. Yep. It's not you. It's not like a you know DB making a great play like we've seen with some of Nebraska's. Especially with Harburg, his last few interceptions were just balls where you're like, what did you even see to make you throw that? Right. And so you would, yeah. you would think at very least that's what they would look like, but no, that's um, that's not been the case. And if you want to get Emmett Johnson twenty carries a game, you have to hit some of these passes. Yep, it, that'll that'll clear a couple guys out of that box. And it's not just hit, just the downfield throws. Yeah, hit a lot of short and intermediate stuff. Well, if you again, you know, I I, I want to see some yak. Like if you were hitting some of these crossers. That's going to force them to back off or to start playing zone. And if they're playing zone, they can't come downhill as much. So much of it is predicated on the fact that they feel like they can man up against Nebraska's wide receivers, win those battles, or just take them out of the equation, and then they let their safeties run free. If your safeties can't run free because they're having to worry about crossers or all these other things, that opens up the the ability to then run. Those guys have to play further off the line of scrimmage. Right. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Number four. Rule says Harburg will be available, but as we saw last week, he's 
dealing with some injury issues that really Im- impact his ability to move. Jeff Sims was able to complete passes at a higher rate when he's played this year, but also turns the ball over at a significantly higher rate. And Chubba Purdy, outside of the drive last week, hasn't played any meaningful snaps this year and also may not be totally healthy. With that said, who do you guys think lines up for the first snap Saturday? We covered this earlier, and, and Mike, you think, you think if you had to guess, it's going to be Chubba, right? Yeah, I mean, right now, as of today, with all the information I have, I'd be pretty surprised if it's not Chubba lining up to take first snap on Saturday. Okay. Um, and and what do you think what do you think his skill set is to the point that I, I guess I know I mean I know we know what the possible shortcomings are we know the injuries we saw him last year like in theory what does he do best I guess if you're if you're scheming around his strengths what are those he's one of those guys where it's like we haven't seen this a lot with Harburg I don't know if it's because of the throwing motion doesn't allow for it we didn't see it a lot with Sims but he hasn't played that much you really think about it Jeff Sims has not played a lot of football for Nebraska but like, he's done a lot of damage. Like played a lot nine of quarters total. Yeah. yeah, eleven I think. Eleven. Eleven. Quarters. Yeah. Um, so then you look at uh, you look at Chubba Purdy, and I think one of the things that you could do with him that maybe you couldn't do with Harburg, you could roll him out. You can let him throw on the move a little bit. I know the last staff did that. He seems comfortable uh, moving when he throws a little bit, so that allows you know if you're running some of those play actions we're talking about. And you're you're slipping the tight end across the formation, which is a favorite of everybody. You, you play action left, and then you bring the tight end across the back or the front of the formation on the right. And you can drop that pass off. I mean, I think we'll see stuff like that. I think we'll see some short throws. He does not have a big arm. You are not going to put him in there and have him flip the field on like a sixty-yard pass. It's just not what he's not what he can really do. Okay. I don't want to see him throw deep a lot, but again. <laughs> Purdue set this up, and I said it at the time. Like they were the first team to bring their safeties up, and you saw what it did to Heinrich Harburg in that game. Michigan State did it. Maryland's like we're bringing two. Right. Wisconsin, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they bring two as well. Like right. I think everyone right now looking at Nebraska is saying we don't think you can play beyond the seven yards in front of our face. Right. He lo- what looked good, and again, small sample. What looked best about what he did on that drive was the, kind of the improvisation yeah. with the run, and, and I think that's. It's it's a benefit and it's a detriment because if it's the you know if you need to be on an on schedule throw which is what that was on third down in in the the goal area I don't know that that's the strength of his game but if you need a guy who can just sort of make it up in the flow of the moment I think he's kind of I think that's sort of what he is but it would you know the crazy thing though is which you, Nebraska might need like they might need a guy who can just improv stuff. Harbor can't do that because his motion doesn't allow for it. Right. And his version of improv is probably just running and trying to truck stick somebody. Yeah. Purdy can move behind the pocket, and if guys get open, that's the other thing. This is where your freshman wide receivers, you got to, once the play breaks down, they have to know, okay, I need to run to an area where I'm visible, where there's nobody around me, and he can see me, and he can hit an outlet throw. Mm Mm-hmm. That did not happen two different times on Saturday that I can recall against Maryland where you had your receivers, they finished their route, and they just hung along the sideline. You can't have that. you got to go find the space in the field. Right. Like So that's where We've seen your, that your offense with the tight needs to be able to improvise too. with your quarterback. Maybe you're more willing to pull it down when the pass isn't there, too. You know what oh, I mean? Um, because, again, the biggest thing they need from him is not turning the ball over. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, They need him to sustain enough. You can't go a bunch of three and outs because one of the things that hurt Nebraska is teams have played down on them where they just stand at midfield with their offense. Mm-hmm. If they don't go anywhere, Nebraska forces a three and out, they still get a punt it to the three-yard line because it's a Big Ten and everybody's great at that except for mm-hmm. one school. You can figure out which yeah. one that is. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been very hard. So they, they have to move the ball enough 
to allow you to flip the field, but you don't, you know, it's not the worst thing if you have to punt a bunch on Saturday yep. either. Uh, yeah, and they got to be good ones again, wow. right? You got you to gotta win the punting game. All right, moving on. Number three. Like much of the discussion this week, we've spent a lot of the show discussing the offense, unfairly leaving out the contributions of the defense. We're unfair. Yeah, it's us. Do they feel like a unit that could basically win either of the next two games on their own? I mean, they still have it in them, for sure. I mean, the last... Damn near uh, one last week. Again, the last three games they've had just, you know, they've had a couple of moments, right? They've had a couple of moments, and... Yeah, they may be able to do what they did against Illinois, essentially, right? Or, or uh, against against Purdue, really. Um, and that's still there as a possible way to win these games, even with all of the, the issues with the offense. Like you said, the only thing about the offense in those games is they got one one big play, yeah. essentially. That's really the only difference games. from a yardage standpoint, from a what they were doing turnover standpoint. standpoint. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it still was there. Um, defensively, the next vestige for them, they've. They've started to take the ball away now. They've been yes. even more disruptive than they were at the beginning of the year where they were very good. Now the next thing is, can you turn it into just points like yourself? Just can don't you even allow back? the offense to come back onto the field. Don't let Jeff Sims come back onto the field, and maybe you win the fourth quarter. When was but, Nebraska's last like pick six or something? I think Reimer had something a few years ago where he I scored a to touchdown, I want to say, anything or a scoop either. and score. Like every time Nebraska yeah, Williams strip sack is the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, and I feel like they had at least one in twenty twenty one. Okay, yeah, um, and and Maryland got its yards right. Maryland ended up with three hundred eighty four yards in that game as well. And at the beginning of the game, especially Mike, I thought there were good adjustments defensively in that game. At the beginning of the game, I I was saying, man, they've got wide receivers open on yeah. every play, and you've got a quarterback who can find them, and he's going to pick out an open receiver every time on a kind of a mid-range route. You didn't see it as much of that later in the game, but I thought it looked like, wow. For a while at the beginning of that game, I thought, wow, this looks like a, the offense that is going to be a problem for the defense. The two drives before half accounted for nearly a third of all of Maryland's yards. So basically that the the incredible throw from Tonga Vailoa where you're like, oh, that's an NFL arm. Yeah. I don't know that he's going to be a career you know starter or anything, but he's definitely going to have the ability to play in the NFL. Um, and then that drive that didn't lead to any points because of the inexplicably stupid penalties mm-hmm. from Maryland. <laughs> um, both of those, they, they picked up, like I said, nearly a third of their yards passing came on those two drives. Nebraska did a really nice job of being like, you're not going to go over to the top of us. We don't think you're going to be patient enough to just keep checking these things down and picking up 10 yards and moving the chains that way. And they, Nebraska really won in the intermediate part of the field. The really interesting thing in these next two weeks, Maryland had receivers that could beat you by themselves and a quarterback that could beat you with his arm. I don't think Tanner Tanner Mordecai is a better of the two quarterbacks Nebraska is about to face. Wisconsin does not have those receivers. Part of the reason their offense really struggled, they don't have playmakers. They really don't. They, that's they what are I said going at the to depend. The they are going to take every little ounce that Nebraska gives them and so if Nebraska plays a lot of like soft hang coverage, you're going to see an eighth and Calicamanis performance from yeah. um, from Tanner Mordecai. So then it's like Nebraska has to score 17 points. 
Yeah. So then, then you have to figure out how they're going to put themselves in position. To and, do- and still, and, and even if Braylon Allen does play, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. I mean, nobody, there's still nobody running the ball, right, on Nebraska. And I, Braylon honestly, got I the think, one play, and the, I think you kind of want Braylon Allen to play because he's nowhere near 100. percent Yeah, that's I, interesting. Think this is you have a chance to punch the ball loose. You could get him in a mentally a bad mm-hmm. spot. I think if Wisconsin is smart, they probably don't even play him. We'll talk more about that in the eight o'clock hour. Number two. Like Nebraska, Wisconsin finds itself at a bit of a crossroads coming into this game, coming off a loss and a bit of a rough patch at the end of the season, needing a win to get to bowl eligibility. The quotes from the players and coaches in the wake of their latest loss have shown some tension in the program. Safety Hunter Wooler told reporters, quote, It comes to a point where someone has to speak up and be the A-blank. And quote, also, someone has to tell people to stop screwing around and stop going through the motions and play, otherwise get out. Well, how do you guys think this compares to Nebraska's reaction to the last few weeks? I mean, listen, they're they're definitely in a, a worse place, but I'll admit, the last two teams looked like they were too. So yeah. there's two ways, you t- I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But yes, the answer to your question is, and here's why at Maryland, and it may go deeper at Maryland. And Nebraska fans know what this is like when Nebraska makes a coaching decision that divides the team and the fan base and the alumni. And that's what happened at Wisconsin with Jim Leonard. Well, firing Chris and Jim Leonard. Both of those two things. They did not bring on Jim Leonard as after being the interim, and they made the decision, which may have been a good one, but that seeded some division, I think, in the locker room, in, in the fan base as well. And we all know whether it was Firing Solich, whether it's decisions with Bo Pelini, man, when you get that little sort of poison pill in the program, in the fan base, there's nothing else like that to make everything feel crappy. And it, that's not there at Nebraska right now, thank goodness. Uh, that's the biggest. That's my biggest take on the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I it think, may or may not matter, though. Right. It, the The thing is, a wounded animal is still a dangerous animal, and that's what Wisconsin basically is for Nebraska this weekend. Like, I think they're in a really bad spot mentally. I think they're in a bad spot physically. I'm stunned that the line that Vegas put out there, uh, it's already gone back towards Nebraska. I think it's four and a half now. For Wisconsin. Uh, but it was seven on Sunday. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, I think that Wisconsin is really going to, uh, you know, if again, this is the same thing as Michigan State. If Nebraska could start in any kind of quick manner yes. the way that Northwestern did, Wisconsin folded like a cheap chair oh on Saturday. And they will. They did not care. Like, it was not... This is not the 2015 Wisconsin. They're thinking team about next that, year, you know, like that's yeah. got a bunch of great. Even though you know, and I use that year as an example, that was not as talented of a team. But Joel Stave and that group had a ton of just like grit and determination, and they worked through not being very talented. Mm-hmm. This group has some talent. They don't want to play football right now. Like that's you have to make them want to quit. They couldn't do it against Michigan State. If they could do it Saturday at Wisconsin's house in a half-empty Camp Randall because their fan base doesn't actually care about the team unless they're winning, yeah, well, it would be a beautiful sight to see. Somehow get on top because I, I believe you're right that if, if they can, I mean, they'll, like you they'll said, fold. They, they'll start, they they'll start fold. to fold and there'll be some real and frustration out there. Nebraska's physical nature, and this is, again, if you had Gabe Irvin, you would just love this game yep. because you would just punch them repeatedly and they would fold there too. All right, moving on. 
number one. There's a growing sense of concern within the Husker fan base that defensive coordinator Tony White, who was just named a semifinalist for the Broyles Award that goes to the top assistant in the nation, could be of interest to other schools as the coaching carousel begins. Specifically, San Diego State just relieved Brady Hoke of his duties where White coached for nine years. There may also be vacancies as coordinator at USC and UCLA or another head coaching gig at Syracuse. What's your level of concern? White moves on after only one year in Lincoln. Mike, you're probably best tuned into this. I'm curious what you think on this. I don't think he'll go east. So if it's if he's going anywhere, it's going to be it's go to west to California. All three of those are in the west. <laughs> the San Diego State job was the one that was told to me last year when he got hired as a coordinator to expect him to be there for a few years. But the all bets are off of San Diego Jeez. State. Opens up. That's where he really cut his teeth as an assistant coach. Uh, spent a lot of time with Rocky Long there. Became the recruiting coordinator. Is beloved. Um, you know, as a, as a coach there, would come back and kill it in terms of recruiting. I think that it's fair to be concerned about whoever gets hired as UCLA's coach, makes an offer to bring him in as your defensive coordinator, UCLA moving over into the Big Ten, and you obviously have yeah. great sample size yeah. of what Tony White is able to do. The one thing Nebraska can do, and we saw they just did it for Trev Alberts with a <laughs> Probably a less spectacular resume, if we're being entirely honest. You can back up the Brinks truck for Tony White. You could make him a $2 million coordinator. You could make it very difficult for him to say no. But like I said, if he's leaving here, and I, I think if I had to predict right now, I think he'll be back as the defensive coordinator for next year. If he's leaving, it is to go to UCLA to be the defensive coordinator for a bunch of money or to be San Diego State's head coach. I don't think he's leaving. Um, for another Power Five and coordinator Syracuse job, or something, like but UCLA that. is where he was as a player. Oh, so I, I think that is what the the concern would be. I will also say this: the family chose Nebraska. Like when he had the opportunity to come here, kind of like Rule brought his family in. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. They like Lincoln a lot. So I think one of the things that keeps him here, I don't think they want to move again after one year. All right. So I feel confident that he'll be back, but. There's reason for concern, for sure. All right. We will see. Thank you very much, Mike. We'll take a break. 756 on KLIN. Local like the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody is thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. First, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. Uh, I think I think this person who gets this pick by sending in the keyword, I think this is our winner. Oh, really? I think this is our winner. If they play it right. If they play it right. You know I, what? I know we put in our own picks all season. We should have spent all season, each one of us, deciding somebody who had made their pick of the 10 to back. 
Oh, like fantasy. I love how we fantasize everything. <laughs> <laughs> fantasy listener. We standings for that. We should have a fantasy listener team. Uh, you know, and then like not only for if they win games, but just like how they do in life. Like, hey, Jim on my team got a promotion last week. Uh, that's big. Right, and we can offer trades and everything. I like that. You know, we're just on the radio talking about Gryffindor stuff and yeah. <laughs> how everything's going there. <laughs> I want to do. All right, Caleb, that is next year. Put that on the Shout list. Shout out Gryffindor stuff. That's the first one. <laughs> That's that the I first can one that you thought of. Other Phil came to mind. A fantasy listener number draft. number one, Debbie. I love it. And then they just tell us when like things go well in their life, and we oh, we got a promotion. We, we accrue points, <laughs> right? Right. My We're kid, looking at the sheet. Right. My kid's getting married. All right. Boom. I right. told you I used to do a fantasy uh, press conference like Monday scoring system. Right. Oh, like the, I had the, the media, the media yeah. members. Yeah. yeah. You get ten points if you're up at the podium. I love it. I love it. I don't know who would be my first pick. That's a tough one. That's I don't want to offend anyone, so I don't, and I also don't want to tip my hand in case we do this as oh, well. Okay. So you're going to lose listeners if you do this because if they don't make the fantasy team, then if they're, they're not going to listen. You can always get on, on the waiver wire every week. You got a shot at open bidding. Here's the one thing we know: if you are on Jack's team, you will get injured. <laughs> you will get injured, right? I'm right. now imagining like we're scouring the newspaper looking for like, oh, this guy had like, a good deed. Like, we need to get him on the team, right? Exactly. That's a great point, right? Hey, is there? A, do we? get an IR spot if Asterisk James sprains his ankle or something? That kind of thing? I, I, I thought he was just automatically on my team. Oh, but. yeah, probably. You guys are like, you probably uh, The keyword is refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Refri- oh, wow. You're going to do that to me, huh? Random word generator, baby. Is there a D or not? R-E-F-R-I D Why do we call it a fridge then with a D? R-E-F-R-I-G-E-R-A-T-O-R. Got it. Got it. Got it first time. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> uh, text that in and spell it right. 402-479-1400. Yes, spell it right because we have uh, super super AI uh, handling all of this stuff for and us. And it's working now. It's it just didn't work. The super <laughs> super deep fake AI looks up your looks up your word and make sure it only takes ones that are spelled right. Uh, and then it'll pick one out of there, and that'll be our picker for the final pick of the. Will it know if you day. actually typed it in with your finger, or just copy and paste it, and then put it into a text? It'll know, but paste. both works. It'll okay. know everything. Right. It'll also, yeah, it'll also know where you, what you have for dinner tonight, and wow. all of those sorts of things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, text that in, and we're going to ask you when is the last point of the score game scored? I should say when is the last points of the game scored? Uh, time and quarter. We already have overtime and zero 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 off the board, so you have to pick a specific time that is left and tell us what quarter they're all in the fourth quarter right now. So, best of luck with that. The earliest pick is remind us again what that is. Uh, it's now Todd with four nineteen. He's our latest picker for earlier today. So you, so you could go four twenty. You could go four twenty and take the rest of the board if you wanted to. All right, your choice. Now let's talk about Wisconsin, guys. Wisconsin preseason. T- everybody who put out a preseason top twenty-five, guys, every, except me. Everyone who put a preseason top twenty-five out put Wisconsin in their preseason top twenty-five. Why did they do that? Did they trust in Luke Fickle? Is it just some kind of mystique about who Wisconsin is? Did they think that this offensive change was going to be smoother than other offensive change? I don't know what was in all of their heads. I don't know. They weren't a great team last year. They were making some transitions that were obviously going to be difficult. They got a group of five quarterback in there who, you know, 
was was good in the fine. group of five. He's fine. Uh, he was good in the group of five, and they had a very good, very good running back. A couple of very good running backs as well. Maybe that played into it as well. They start out the season. They beat Buffalo thirty eight seventeen. Then they go to Washington State and they lose thirty one twenty two and kind of get pushed around in that game a little bit. A game that does not look like a good loss anymore because I don't know what happened to Washington State. They're losing all over the place right now. Beat Georgia, Georgia Southern, which Nebraska couldn't do last year, 35-14. Go into Purdue, and they win that 38-17. So, and then Rutgers, and they get to win 24-13. So there they are sitting at 4-1, at and Mike, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, they are, right? We, we were right about this, and that Washington State loss is a good loss. So it's all good. And then... And it looks like they're sitting at the top of the division. Everybody expects them to win. And then they go to Iowa and they lose uh, 15-3. to Or they play them at Camp Randall and lose 15-6, to I should say, in the most Big Ten West score ever. Then they go to Illinois, pull it out in a close one, 25-21. They're down 21-7? to Yeah, they were, getting, one they were getting beat in yeah. that one at Illinois. And they come back and win. Play Ohio State, okay. Lose that one, 24-10. And then lose to Indiana and no, at Indiana. Uh, 20 to 14 when Indiana was kind of really struggling and then lose to Northwestern 24 to 10. So, I mean, there's no doubt, Mike, that this team, you know, that things were more impressive in terms of the results at the beginning of the season at the end of the season. And I guess that's a function of partially of injuries to some degree. They were out without Mordecai for part of it. They've got him back now, as we talked about. They lost Malusi, who as Nebraska fans remember because he ran that that stinking pass out of the backfield last year that doomed Nebraska in that game. And Braylon Allen, as we talked about, was expected to be their best player. Who knows? Maybe a Heisman yep. candidate, these sorts of things. And he's been injured as well. What else do you think is going on here with this situation? They have been kind of fortunate all year. Like I remember watching them play uh, in their first game against Buffalo, and Buffalo couldn't take advantage of the takeaways that they had in the field position because it was Buffalo, and they're not very good. And eventually Braylon Allen had a bunch of carries in the fourth quarter, and they, they pulled that game away and looked comfortable doing it. They did the same thing to Georgia Southern a couple weeks later after they lost to to Washington State. And I was just thinking, like, okay, well, maybe they're just the sort of team that like they're just going to play with their food a little bit, and then they put it away. Mm-hmm. That's not really what they are. Like, they just, they don't really have much in terms of offense. It's a struggle for them to move the ball. It was against Buffalo. It was against Georgia Southern. And it is right now because of all the injuries and everything. And so, if Nebraska can show up and play sound defense and force them to earn things, I think Wisconsin will both be willing to give the ball away and also really struggle to sustain drives. I mean, I think they can get a first down here or there, but to put together a 12-play, 75-yard drive to go the length of the field is a lot to ask for them right now. And so I think because of that, Nebraska's defense has a chance to really make things difficult uh, for Wisconsin. And this game just feels like another low total game. I don't know what the total is from Vegas. This I would be surprised if it gets into the mid-30s between these two teams. It has a lot of it that just sort of feels like it's going to be in the teens or even less than that. And so that's where... For Nebraska, you got to be sound on special teams. You got to be sound on defense, and you need, you know, if it's Chubba Purdy that's going to be the quarterback, you need him to not put you in bad spots. Yeah, in four of the last five games, Wisconsin has not put up more than fourteen points. Yeah, and the one that they won in that stretch was right? the Illinois game, where yeah. they got twenty-five in that one. All right, and they they needed a furious comeback in the fourth quarter to do it. Yeah, so I mean, the the scores in the other games they lost six. 10, 14, 10 yeah. against the defenses or Iowa, good defense, Ohio State, good defense, then Indiana and Northwestern. Okay, defense. Um, okay, okay, defense is there. So, yeah, ne- Nebraska, you would hope, is able to keep them 
the, the same kind of area that, that, that they got there, 14, right. 14, I mean, max 17 points, right, in this game if the offense isn't actually giving them points with, with turnovers or actually scores on defense or special teams or something like that. In terms of, you know, kind of who they are now, uh, it, it, it's a mishmash, right? Like, it's hard to even look at these and be like, this is Wisconsin. It was, it was you know, I know there was a, right away when they hired Phil Longo from North Carolina, the offensive coordinator, was like, what, they're throwing a passing, they're getting a passing coordinator. And then there was this re- reaction that kept saying, hey, if you've watched North Carolina, you know they still run the ball a lot, which which they do, and they, they have had solid, but it's still a major change. I mean, let's not act like it isn't a major sea change in the style of this op- major and I, the idea that this was going to be sort of seamless for them from one year to the the other when they struggled so much last year, too, was just laughable to me. And that's exactly what it's been. And you look at it now, Mike, and they're pretty even rushing and passing in terms of success. They're 72nd in the nation rushing, 78th in the nation passing, 154 yards per game rushing, 218 per yards passing, you know, right Kind of average at both of them, yeah. or a little below average in, at at both of them right now. Seventy fourth in in total offense. It's right all in that in that same spot. Getting about they don't do anything well. Yeah, and and not super efficient and not scoring a a, a ton of points either. A hundred second. So the defense has been better. The defense is better. They're thirty third overall in total defense. Um, 42nd in rushing defense, giving up 134 yards per play, uh, and 30, 30th in passing yards allowed, 24th in scoring defense. So the defense has been, has, has been solid, which I don't think is a, a surprise. There were obviously less change, and I think you had a couple of, couple of good players that were hanging around from last year, too, that has influenced that as well. And so it all adds up to exactly what you said, Mike, is another, uh, another of a string of the exact same games. Because so many of these teams are so similar, not necessarily in style, but in terms of strength. Yeah. Well, and that's why, I mean, my skepticism about Phil Longo was less what they were going to do in terms of passing the ball, but more to do with the way the conference is just built here. Like, it's you don't see those teams have a lot of success, and especially when you transition from the style of defense and style of play of the ACC where there's one sort of Big Ten-looking team, and it's Clemson, and they're like an amazing version of it most years, uh, to that's your whole schedule. Yep. And so I think they've struggled yeah. with how to, when you don't have those pieces to kind of run it exactly how you want, they struggle to kind of build the team in a way that can be consistent with the offense they want to run, with the pieces that they have currently versus what they're going to try to bring in. So that's been that's been a challenge, and I just... Like they're not, they weren't that good last year. Like that, the part of them being picked as a Big Ten champs that was weird is that they were going to return a lot of the same core pieces, switch out a quarterback. Yes, that's what I kept saying. And they were in a August. six and six team that was only a six and six team because Nebraska gave away that game in Lincoln. Last right, year. and that was a not right. a Nebraska team that was not in a good spot no, at that point. That should have been a five and seven Wisconsin team and a five and seven Nebraska yeah. team at the end of the yeah. year. Which that was the biggest thing probably right. that made me say, how is he not only going to have a seamless tr- transition but get that better that well, much better that quickly? And I just know at that time I was like, I hope Wisconsin hires Jim Lenart because there's about forty seven game errors that occur. Yeah, <laughs> coaching sidelines in that and, game. And we've got to talk about that. And and despite what you said, and I don't disagree with you. And, and I'll be honest, Luke Fickle was at the top of my list when sure. Nebraska was searching for. A I think coach he's a good coach. Well. I think it's a much more difficult transition than anyone envisioned, in part because I don't think the fans wanted the transition. That's exactly They wanted right. to be who they were, and that was not what happened. 
And Wisconsin, Nebraska. The players, I don't think, have taken to it the way that it has happened here in Lincoln either. And we have seen this in Lincoln before with a couple of coaches where there was a controversial decision made that was at least marginally popular among the fans, maybe marginally popular within the locker room as well. And Nebraska's kind of passed that torch into Wisconsin. And, oh, my goodness, isn't it? Even as they a, wanted to model their program after Nebraska. Even as, a, are Wisconsin. Even, as a member the of the, even as a member of the media, isn't it at least nice not to be in that place anymore? Yeah. Because it's a you, you're banging your head against the wall constantly when I, that's happening. One of the reasons that you could feel some confidence about Nebraska this weekend, and I emphasize some because I don't think anyone should go over their skis on it, Nebraska is all moving in the same direction. Wisconsin is spending a lot of time pointing the fingers at everybody within their program trying to figure out who did this. Yeah. You know, Nebraska is not trying to figure out who did right. this. They're united in their front that we need to pick up our offense. Yeah, that's true. You it's know, not so a it's, question. <laughs> they know they're culprit. Do you want to hear a... And they accept their culprit. I'm looking at individual stats, and, and Tanner Mordecai, who's transferred from SMU, is referencing when he was a group of five, um, and he was hurt for a few games here. He's thrown, he's passed it 224 times. So he's passed a significant amount of times. The backup lock has thrown it 152 times. So Mordecai still has. The weird thing about it is in a, in 224 attempts, he's got three touchdowns and three interceptions. <laughs> they don't throw the ball down the field. Everything is very horizontal. It is very short. And that is why, again, Nebraska is going to have to tighten its coverage or you are going to dominate, you have to dominate the offensive line. Like, and I don't know that they can do that for an entire game, but uh, they are going to be more than happy to take the five yards if you give them five yards. Yeah, um, that is crazy. I had never, I hadn't seen that before. That that was, and you know what his his long of the year is like thirty seven, forty five yards, yeah. forty five yards. Hunter Harburg, Harburg seventy three, uh, Malachi Coleman. Harburg, that's his long of the year. Yeah, Harburg's is is seventy three uh, on the year to, to Jalen Lloyd, but they're not going to be. They're, they haven't beaten anybody extensively deep all year. Which is what, it, this is a, it's a compelling matchup for how Tony White chooses to play it because how aggressive do you get? Do you blitz the hell out of Tanner Mordecai and you just make him get the ball out quickly yeah. and you rally to tackle? Do you bring up your, your corners and you just say, okay, we think your receivers have to prove that they can beat our guys? You don't have a Jay Sean Jones on your team. You don't have a, a Hemby on your team. Well, we don't think you can just win this right now. Um, so the, the route that, that Tony White has to take in the midst of everything that he's probably hearing about his name being bandied about in these other jobs, this is a really critical coaching situation for him. So hopefully he is as locked in as he's been all season because I don't know what the best route to take. I lean on, if you're playing a quarterback that can't really get the ball downfield and seems a little skittish, blitz the hell out of him. I agree. That, But I also would probably blitz the hell out of Peyton Manning, and that's why I'm an idiot, and that's why nobody right. wants me as a coach. <laughs> right, exactly. But, yeah, you, the, in terms of the way, you know, the, Nebraska's played well, I think, against the deep ball, but then they've recently they've been beaten by some double moves yep. when they've got man-to-man Which coverage. Makes sense, right? And there's a safety that's not yeah. getting over, essentially, is, is what the problem has been. But uh, that stuns me that he's thrown that many passes and just not only not – not had a have lot you of watched a lot of long Wisconsin passes. A little, not a ton. Yeah, I watched more in the non-conference than I have in. I watched a Washington State play, game, but the yeah, second half they of that. just they don't look. But the offensive and that's the doing. other thing is what do you associate with Wisconsin as an offensive line, right? A it's dominant offensive line. And, it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's not, not 2022 Nebraska, but it's not you know is what you right. expect. 
Braylon Allen, I mean, to the extent when he's healthy, he, he ran, you know, 133 carries for 757 yards. So that's a 5.7 average, had eight touchdowns. It was good. It was good. Not as actually good mm-hmm. as he's been in the past when he's had a great offensive line right. in front of him. We don't know if he'll play or not. Um, well, here's the other thing. Game. If you're Braylon Allen, does it make sense to even play? That's another Because thing. you're like, okay, I'm probably not coming back and, to play in this offense again. I'm probably a fifth-round pick. Right. But if I keep the tread on the tires to go play in the NFL, are those the carries that I want to focus right. on? And guess what injury he has? High ankle sprain. Yep. This is the year of the high ankle sprain. You ever had one? No, my son did uh, in basketball his junior year. So and it kept not him fun. I heard he had an ankle sprain. I was like, all right, that'll be a couple weeks. No, six, seven weeks. Yep. So yeah, what about three months. It was a long Two, three time. Months, yeah. It was a long time. And and Ches Malusi was good when he played too. Fifty-one carries, three hundred seven yards, six, four touchdowns, six yards a carry. But they don't have those guys. And yeah, they have a freshman. Uh, okay, who ja- was it? Uh, the Jackson Acker is their next. Uh, Cade Yacamelli. Oh, Yacamelli. He, he got most of the work, I believe, 20 on... 20 carries uh, for 91 yards this on year. On Saturday against Northwestern. Wow. It wasn't pretty. So, and, and, and you brought up an interesting point. You know, we don't know if Allen's going to be healthy or not. Your gut reaction as a Husker fan is, yeah, you don't want them to have, you know, their best player on the team. But You don't get the, extra points for beating them when they have On the other player. hand, you don't, don't feel like Wisconsin's going to beat the ball, beat Nebraska consistently running the ball if they try and do that. Like, if they're You going would to, like them to try, because yeah. that plays into your strength. Right, exactly. Exactly. And then in, in the receiving game here for Wisconsin, uh, Will Pauling is their leading receiver. He's got 56 receptions for uh, 596 yards. Uh, he's got three touchdowns. He's the only receiver with multiple touchdowns on this on this season for them. Well, for they, an air raid How many passing touchdowns do they have? Five? Uh, well, let's see. Three for Mordecai, one for Brandon, for Locke. Four. Okay, so I overshot. Four. They've I said got, five, Kevin. Okay, that, Kevin Suits is here. I said five passing touchdowns for Wisconsin, and I overshot it. Uh, good morning, Kevin. How are you doing games? today? They have four. We, I knew it was bad, but have, I didn't know. No, it was I'm bad. sorry. They have eight. I looked at interceptions. They have eight passing touchdowns. Oh, there we Three go. for Mordecai. Five for uh, Braden Locke. That's the same as Nebraska. Yeah, that's the same as Nebraska. In so I undershot. Passing it. Touch, touchdowns this year. That's crazy, you guys. I had I did not realize that that was the case. You've got one wide receiver with three three touchdowns, and then you've got three other wide receivers each who have one this year. They've not. They've That's still only six. They've just not scored, and then they've got down low. They've got another. Okay. They have an offensive lineman with a touchdown. Of course, they do with a receiving touchdown. Probably a tackle eligible thing, and then they have a tight end who has five catches this year, one of which was a touchdown. So that's where they are. Right now, that quote that Caleb had during the morning drive was from that their safety, um, who was you know kind of getting on people who weren't bought in. Uh, Hunter Wooler, he's one of their top players on defense. He's got ninety five tackles. He's got you know he's their big their big tackle guy there this year. And then in terms of sacks, uh, Daryl Peterson is a linebacker. He's got four and a half sacks this year. Probably probably their best there. Uh, real quick, let's talk about. I know we're going to take a break. And we're going to do that in a second, but I got to tell you about the mascot. And for once, guys, we do not have a mascot that came from the scribes. The Badgers. Sad. No, it did not come from the scribes. It did not come the writers this time. Uh, before the Badgers, Wisconsin was known as simply Madison, Madison, the Wisconsin Football 11, Madison Team, or Madison Boys. But the Badgers came from the state nickname. Wisconsin's called the Badger State. Maybe not. Why you think it's not because badgers are roaming there. 
It's because lead miners in the 1820s traveled to Wisconsin to stay safe and warm in the winter. They had to live like badgers in tunnels that were built underground. Uh, and they said, it's, it's crazy. And so that's where this came from. Essentially, these guys were coming here. They were digging lead ore, and they had to burrow down, down into the ground, and they were known as badgers because of that. And uh, essentially, badger was essentially starting to be used in publications for the state and then for Wisconsin. Badgers first applied to those people in the state, became the university's mascot in 1889 when the school used a live badger, which, as you might expect, was way too vicious to control. On more than one occasion, the live badger escaped handlers before a sideline hero recaptured the animal with a flying tackle. It was decided, in the interest of fan and player safety, that Wisconsin's mascot be retired to the Madison Zoo. The badger yearbook replaced a live badger with a small raccoon named Regdab, which is badger backward, and passed it off as a badger in a raccoon coat. (laughs) They used a raccoon as their mascot uh, for a lot of years there at that point. So there you go. That is the story of the... (laughs) So if you ever call the uh, Wisconsin the raccoons, that uh, that would be why. Uh, because they used a raccoon. They're back to uh, just going with the Badger, and they got the nice Bucky mascot, who will be roaming the sidelines, I'm sure, on Saturday. All right, it's 8.30. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll get to the roundtable along with Kevin Suits coming up next on KLIN. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, we've been trying for two and a half hours, and we never came up with it, so we bring in the bullpen. Kevin Suits, Sports Director, 1011 News, to see if Kevin has got the antidote to turnovers that he can pass on. Kevin, have do you have it? We've been searching for it for two and a half hours, and we still don't have it. Run the ball. Run, run the ball. There it is. Because if you run, you have fewer. What, what's the old saying that Tom Osborne always said? If you pass the ball, one of three things yes. can happen. Yes, two are bad. I already referenced so, that in the show so, earlier. So if you run the ball, how many things bad can happen? One. Well, you lose. I mean, it could still happen. You lose the ball. You could lose two yards and then pass the next play when you shouldn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, they need to play on Saturday badly. Oh, this is a bad game to just like man. continue to dissect, and oh. it seemed like it didn't go away all week. You no, know, it, the- it shouldn't though. It really shouldn't. Like they they blew that game. Fans should be mad about it. He understands it. Like I, people should be mad. Like I, I'm totally, totally in support of that. Sometimes there's stuff where I'm like, all right, this has gone too long. That's one of those where it's like. It made no sense in the moment. It makes less sense every time it gets explained. You know, I appreciate him just saying, like, it's on me. You could also just be like, it was a bad call. He, he won't say that. No. That's because he doesn't want to throw Satterfield you, under you, the bus. You don't have to throw Satterfield under the bus. You can basically be like, in retrospect, we shouldn't have thrown there. If you say that, I think more people would probably be more willing to move so. on. But he did it for the first down play. He kind of threw Chubba under the bus. That you know, That's a call that he I mean, shouldn't have Chubba thrown the ball. literally killed the play or changed the play and then threw the ball and stopped the clock. So he why should is, probably take some blame for that. Why is Rule willing to go there with the first down play but not the third down play? Because I think he genuinely feels like it was the right play call. You think so? It's an NFL play call, though. It is a very much an NFL play call, but I don't know that NFL teams with their version of Chubba Purdy is making that play call. It's right. an NFL play call. Why? Because you assume the other team's going to go down and get seven? Because you assume the competency of your team to run the routes and to be able to make a throw. Oh, okay. that, it, it's a very basic play. It's not a... 
Like, that play is not, like, something that you spend weeks working on. Mm. That's a route you've run a lot as wide receivers. It's a throw you make in high school for some offenses. You certainly run it. In like, every team runs that play. A lot of things have to happen for that play to work. There are just too many, like, yeah. there are four people who really have to be in rhythm on the dance. And if one gets off, the whole thing is messed up. And so you're asking Billy Kemp, Malachi Coleman, Alex Bullock, and Chubba Purdy all to be completely in sync. And as you found out, it wasn't. I think one of the reasons, now that you're saying, Mike, it's okay to rehash it, you know, however many days later. So... Um, you, you just wanted my approval on it. Now you feel more comfortable. Yeah, with I it? do. I, this <laughs> is this good therapy. Right, this is run with this. So, like Sunday, my boys did not watch the game because he was on Peacock. We don't have Peacock, and my ten-year-old, who really likes football, um, he knew they lost, but didn't know all the intricacies of how they lost. So, at the breakfast table Sunday morning, I was walking him through the Chubba Purdy drive, and then I walked him all the way up to the scenario in which it's third and goal from the seven-yard line, and I asked my 10-year-old, so what do you do? And his exact, I don't know if this is verbatim, but it was essentially saying, you can't throw the ball unless the guy is completely wide open. And I go, well, they threw the ball. He goes, <laughs> and he goes, oh, no. So he knew, like, a 10-year-old who's played flag football for, like, three oh, years. You should have been rehashing this all week. This should have been the lead of your sports cast. <laughs> should have just brought him should in. brought him in, yeah. Why don't you have him script the first drive he next week? He should be week? here right now uh, missing school talking about it. A little telestrator action with Kale Suits. How, well, if you knew my son, it actually might be pretty good TV because he's a pistol. Um, no, but even, like, a, even a 10-year-old who loves football uh, knew in that situation situation what the risk reward was right. and what the safe play that's was what, and that's what it's about it's about it's about risk it's about percentages so saying all of that it it would lend itself to believe yeah because it was a, a fairly elementary decision you yeah. would think and that's not the decision that was made so maybe it does warrant it's, the extended conversation listen, on it i'll die on the hill though they should have run the ball they definitely should. i was screaming it at the tv before it happened which a I lot of times they had it kicked on third down just in case there was a bad snap <laughs> and then they could just fall on it that like, used to happen more I yeah genuinely just wanted to see them get points there because you're putting your best unit yes. in position to win the game for yeah. you I, you're letting your worst unit do the simplest thing it can and get out of the way. They like, did. What, there's, there's no other math that needs to be computed. They for me, did. Chris. They did what they needed to do. Yeah. They got him in position. To get, you would have taken a. If you would have said when they were at their own five yard with Chuba and you were like, yeah. they'll have a sh-, whatever times on the like, board. Tristan Alvano is going to have to attempt a 55 yard field goal. Done. I'll take it. A hundred percent. Seven. They don't get a field goal. A hundred percent. And and so it's all about playing, you know, playing percentages and all of those things. And. And look, it doesn't have to define the season or the coaching staff or anything. It just stinks. It stinks because it was a missed opportunity to get and at this time when you to get this sixth win where it feels like if you get it, everyone can exhale. Let, let me ask you this. If Nebraska does not get bowl eligibility, obviously there's two games left for that to happen. Which is the bigger knife into the gut? Is it Minnesota and what happened at the end of the first half and then the way the game unraveled late? Or the play call against Maryland at home on Man. third down. And you can throw in, if you really want to, the decision that Billy Kemp did not even be able to return punts to allow you to lose that much field position. They've, they have three losses by three points. In all three of those games, it felt like Nebraska really probably should have been victorious based on the way their defense played. Kevin, in every one of those games. Right. To so it's, your... it's hard. I, you could, for me, it's a three-way tie. Oh, uh, to answer your question, it's going to be it'd probably be based on recency, so it's probably Maryland. But if that yeah. Minnesota game I think happened 
That Minnesota game was oh, if they, well. It, that's one yeah, of those was, where if you play Minnesota, that, Heinrich Harbert, <laughs> Nebraska wins right, by two touchdowns. Right. But, Similarly, in both of the Maryland and Minnesota games, the defense played so yeah. well. So they until, kind of, they never until it didn't at the very end. But what happened against Maryland? Same like same thing. Yeah. Right. It, it, until it's very that last, alike what happened in both those of those are, games. Two of the only times where it was like okay, they've got you know they're in the spot. They've got to somehow get a stop. Get get a stop. Right, get a stop. Get a, and they in both of those situations they didn't. And Rule talked about it. One of the they had that big run which they hadn't had all day. Maryland did, and he said the line basically slanted the wrong way in that slanted away from the play, which is exactly what it looked like. It looked like there was the red sea for that running back to go. Well, through. Well, it play. felt like Maryland did a nice job recognizing they had numbers, and I think they audibled into that run. I don't think that was designed initially to be a run. Maybe not. They, they saw like I mean you could see it on the on the TV. You could see it on the field before the play happened. Nebraska had nobody over there. Yeah, and so they just they ran to where there nobody was. Right, like right. that's a very easy check for a veteran quarterback. I just don't like putting too much heat on the defense no, because I don't they think played they so well. In, in, no, in no, the, no, no, no. You know, you're these, not in that game if they don't play how they played. Right in these final drive letdowns, if you want to call it for the defense, whatever would describe how they play so well, but then that last drive, they give up a little bit more than they had previously. I think so much of that is just fatigue and dealing with sudden change and you know the mental capacity to stay in it for so long and knowing you have all the pressure to win the game, you know, they don't have the ball. Like that is such a tough spot to be in. And I just continue to compliment the defense and Tony white in the scheme and how they just hang tough, hang tough, hang tough. Um, And I give them a lot of grace and forgiveness for some of the issues that they've had on their final drive on the field. Um, so, I mean, we don't know. We don't know exactly what's happening. Uh, Kevin, it's, you know, I guess if Harburg were healthy in a perfect world, he'd still be starting. It sounds like that's very, you know, the, the very questionable whether or not he would be able to play. If it is Chubba Purdy, if they do decide to go another, uh, another time with Chubba, um, do you have any idea what to expect with him? I mean, I know you've got this one drive. And then you've got that, you know, that Illinois game last year, the games he played last year as well. But I don't know if he's the same guy as he was last year, to be honest. And also, maybe he has injury issues. How how good of a grasp do you feel like you've even got what he's going to bring to the table? Moderately, because Matt Rule said on Thursday that no matter who the quarterback is, they got to keep the quarterback run game. And I thought if it's Chuba, maybe you get away from that quarterback run game That's a little bit. Maybe it's because we just haven't seen Chuba perform with this coaching staff very much. We've only seen a few drives. So uh, I, I felt like the window is open a little bit to everybody to know what the offense is going to look like. And that the answer is kind of the same. Maybe he just does a better job of ball security. I'm, I'm not convinced it's Chubba. I really don't. I, You're not? I, no. I, I, I think it's going to be Jeff Sims. Really? I, I am kind of the outlaw. I think everybody's like, it's not going to be Jeff. I, I think it might be Jeff if it's not Heinrich. Um, just because they know, you know, you're five and five. You know, Hopefully Jeff can cure the turnover situation. I know that makes people's skin curl up because it hasn't gone away for the, every time he's been on the field. But... The potential is higher with Jeff Sims than Chubba Purdy. Yeah, I guess that's a question. Is that how you look at it, Mike and, and Caleb? If if you were evaluating the two, that the potential is higher, the ceiling and the floor are higher and lower, respectively, with Sims than they are for yeah, Purdy? Yeah, I think that's a thousand yeah. percent accurate. And, and, and the coaching staff sees what goes on in, in practice, and it took, and in, in granted, Chubba Purdy hasn't exactly been healthy either, but, but it took Heinrich Harburg going down, Jeff Sims getting three turnovers over the two quarters 
and then for them to finally go to Chubba Purdy the other day, that other than a blowout or just kneeling on the ball, Purdy hasn't even been an option all year. Right. And now that and has that changed now? Maybe you know, like you said, we don't know. And Chuba has not gotten as many reps as Jeff Sims or Heinrich Harburg all season. He's dealt with a groin injury throughout the entire year. So in terms of just preparation for a big game, you know, a late, uh, a late season, mid-November game on the road, that's maybe a lot to ask of a guy who, you know, hasn't had the amount of action, whether game or practice, as the other two. Do you think Nebraska, we've discussed this a lot today, Kevin, do you think Nebraska's offense can get more conservative and I don't necessarily even mean just running the ball more or only running the ball but can it become more turnover avoid avoiding essentially with the way it's designed or, or is already is it already that way to its maximal amount I think it's already there you yeah. know outside of running the ball I don't know 55 times in a game you know how do you limit your turnovers well what, what else can you do? I, I, right? I think yeah. that they've already tried pretty much everything. The only other thing I say is just more high, more low risk, high percentage passes, probably low reward passes. Which is what too. a five yard hitch, but, and if he's not open, throw the ball in the ground. Yeah, you know, but that's run, selling it. That's check downs to the running back. Check down to the running back. Tight end, short pop passes. Get 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 uh, the the tight end to sort of post himself up in the middle. Right, those with Fedoni, that kind of thing. So one of the ways you can offset that is it's going to require a, a mobile quarterback, and I'm not saying Chubba Purdy isn't mobile, but that's where I would lean Heinrich or Jeff, and that is to you know run fake left, roll right, and then you have somebody in the flat and you have yes. somebody about 12 yards yeah. downfield. If nobody's open, well, everything's right in front of you. You've cut the field in half, and so you have actually reduced the margin for a major mistake. They've so unwilling... if nobody's open, throw the ball away. Yeah. Wait you know a minute, what? wait a minute, wait a minute. I gave this suggestion for Jeff Sims early in the year, and you didn't like it because it cut the field in half and you had less options. Well, early in the year, we didn't know that there were going to be 27 turnovers in Week 10. Yeah, Kevin is saying less options now because it eliminates the ability to lock yeah. in on the guy he'd throw the interception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, I said the exact same thing, and you know who I watched and did that over and over and over again this weekend? It was Iowa. They do, they do that to death because they're aware of their offense and their quarterback's capabilities. In that situation. Like, boring is great. If you're a Nebraska fan and you're watching on Saturday and you're like, man, let's open up. No. Don't right. open up the playbook. And run right. Run left. Give the fullback the carry, for goodness right. sakes. And then well, they the throw to play a- of the game is like five verticals and they just chuck it deep. <laughs> I expect Honestly, a text message yeah. if that happens. Seriously, but if they're going to pass it, I almost would rather see that to some degree. Well, yeah, right. you're bomb the ball jack. So I'm bomb the ball jack and I still think, right, you know. First of all, I think pass interference... You're bombing the ball, Jack, but you're asking for a more conservative offense. I think, in some ways, bombing the ball is conservative. Bombing, bombing the ball is also code for uh, punting the ball. That's much, You've yeah. got that. You've got that. Because then you, your defense goes pass, on the field. Pass, the weird way pass interference is called in this conference, you also never know what you're going to get either. I mean, the listen... It, well, I, you never know if Malachi Coleman is going to earn a flag when someone... Dives into when someone running and, and isn't that, of course, the situation last last two weeks ago? Malachi Coleman gets decked in the one of the most obvious pass interference I've ever seen. Doesn't get called, and then you've got a tight one on on what Tommy Hill on a key Where play the receiver against Maryland him and pulls him into him on a key play. And I I'm not saying there's no way you could have called that on Tommy Hill, but it was a close one, Should and be. of course I called it on on that one too. So that plays into this to this whole thing as well. And man, it's just it's just crazy. And then Kevin, you. You have the situation with Wisconsin and 
This is just a different Wisconsin team. Everybody kind of thinks of Wisconsin, and you've got an association with them over the last 10 years, and they've owned Nebraska for 11 years. And this is a different team. They haven't had, you know, they're, they're in a weird place right now with the whole program because I think there's some old Christ and, and Jim Leonard loyalists that are out there, and they made the change, and it's a little awkward right now. Now, all that said, Nebraska's faced two of the last teams that looked like they were in kind of a free fall, too, and it didn't work out. But what do you think of this Wisconsin team? Well, they're either going to come out really upset and fired up to play this game, or they're going to have the towel completely thrown in. Because I'm sure you guys have talked about the quotes that circulated around uh, Madison earlier this week, going back to their loss to Northwestern, where Hunter Wohler said, well, we're going to find out who wants to be a part of this and who doesn't. So yeah. uh, you got to imagine there were some pretty tough conversations in the locker room. They had a uh, throughout- players-only meeting on Sunday night. Of course they did. And then uh, Luke Fickle, if you watched his news conference from earlier this week previewing the game, he was a little salty. You know, so... It's not pressure on Luke Fickle. I just think he's pretty uh, upset with some of the things that have gotten out and obviously upset with the way this team has played. So, again, one of two things happens. One, it's just pretty toxic there, and they're just going to mail the rest of the season in. Or they're going to try to right the ship, win a couple of final regular season games, and then go to a bowl game and hopefully try to end on a high note. One of two things could happen for Wisconsin, and Pretty much one of two things could happen for Nebraska. So in terms of what's going to happen with the Badgers on the field, that's kind of the way it all shakes out. I'm curious what the vibe's going to be up there at Camp Randall, because it's typically, you would think, November, night game. Oh, it's going to be charged up, two teams playing for something. Tickets are going for $3. It's the first day of deer hunting season up there. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are going to be I don't know that that matters. I just don't think they care about their team unless they're winning. Well, I, I think it does. I think it does because deer hunting is such a huge thing mm-hmm. up in Wisconsin. I guess I didn't know it until talking to some of my friends and even my boss. He's from Wisconsin, and he was saying like that's a. They used to let school out for deer hunting season when he was in uh, elementary school. Wow, yeah. So it's a big deal, and there he said that you're going to see some of the, you know, hunting orange up in the stands because people are going to come straight from there, but. <clears throat> Yeah, I was going to say, they're not hunting at night, so... Fans are going to be faced with the decision. (laughs) Fans are going to be faced with the decision. Do they want to go to a night game at Camp Randall after being in the tree stand all day, or do they just want to go home and warm up... Hit the cheese and brats and beer. Bingo. And be on the comfort of their couch. So the vibe and atmosphere might be totally stale. And if you saw some of the photos of Camp Randall from last Saturday, second half, the place was half empty. What, it's what, like that a lot. I, it, honestly, if they aren't good, I don't think they're like, they're just they're not the Packers. Like even, I just don't think they're that big of a team in that state. Even when they are good, sometimes it's a yeah. late arriving crowd, and if it the is. game's not close in the fourth quarter, those students leave. What will the jump around be like? All right, we'll take jump a break. Say <laughs> fifty one. Picks are coming up next on KLIN. Bragging rights mean everything to these guys. So, let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Exchange Bank on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it is time for the Picks of the Week and uh, updating the standings very quickly here. Kevin has moved into first place with a big four last week. Got Missouri, Washington, Michigan, and the Duke cover for his upset. Caleb got two with Purdue and Washington. Mike got one with Missouri. And look at me with six last week. Closest on the Maryland score, Colorado with the upset cover. (laughs) Purdue, Missouri, and 
Washington. <laughs> Maybe not after this week, though. So the order will go Kevin, Caleb, Mike, myself. All right, head-to-head games. UCLA-USC, Big Ten rivalry here. What do you got, uh, Kevin, for this one? Well, Caleb Williams, last game in uh, L.A. I'll take USC. I'm also USC. Uh, I also have USC. I am just going to chase and go UCLA. All right, there you go. Oh, oh by I the way, I skipped though. you. Yeah, you were I, I, you were supposed to go before. You're me. still in last. Remember, right, there that. you go. <laughs> yes, uh, not for long. Kevin, uh, Louisville and Miami ACC. Can Miami disrupt Louisville's plans to win the ACC here? I think Louisville wins. Jeff Brom. Same. I have Louisville also, and you're, it's not you're my turn, to go last. Mike. I'm just going to keep going last, and I'm just going to keep chasing Miami. <laughs> All right, Kansas State at Kansas. Uh, this one's in Lawrence, Kevin. Yeah, great game. Um, K-State's favorite, I'll go Kansas. Mm. I'm Rock Chalk. Give me State. I'm taking Kansas These State, These are written too. down. I'm not just... Me, too. <laughs> I'm, I got Kansas State. I got Kansas State on this one, too. All right, game number four. Pac-12, Washington at Oregon State. Can Oregon State pull off the upset? Kevin. I'll go Washington. Uh, my wife will disown me if I don't pick the Huskies. Oh, wow. It's, it's okay. because of a dog. So Okay, all right. Oh, yeah. Washington. Oh, gotcha. Uh, I'm taking Washington, too. So, so four for Washington. Four okay. for what? Wow, I thought we might get some people trying some stuff it's a on big that game. one. All right, upset for you, Kevin. Good Seven game. or more point favorite. Who, or excuse me, underdog. Who do you got? Well, I'm going to take App State over JMU. They're under the, the, they're in the spotlight right now with the undefeated season, no bowl eligibility. I think that conversation dies with an upset. App State's going to get them. Okay. We're right. finally going to have something different. It's a night game in Ames. Give me Iowa State seven and a half hosting Texas. That would be wonderful. That would I be was wonderful. on Iowa State, but I also knew like other people probably would be on that as well. So I am going to pivot. I'm going to go real weird here. I think Tulane is going to be looking past FAU to their showdown matchup next week. So we're going to go FAU nine points. They're just going to cover. They will not win. All right. With all these rival ga- rivalry games, Stanford at home, which has been a little bit good at times this year. Remember when they came back against Colorado? Huge field advantage with 12 they're people get, in the stand, They'll get so. seven and a half points there against Cal, their rival, the band game. I'll take the uh, Stanford trees getting seven and a half there. All right. Nebraska pick Kevin. Wisconsin 21, Nebraska 13. Ooh, now we're definitely on the other side. I've got Nebraska scoring 13, but Wisconsin only 7. Oh, jeez. All right. I have no touchdowns in this game. Nebraska 12, Wisconsin 9. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm going to go. I picked Maryland last week. I got points for it. I can't do it two weeks in a row. Two in a row. We're going to go Nebraska 20, Wisconsin 17. You guys all have Nebraska winning. Yeah. All but you. I got a point for that last week. Maybe you will this time. All right, we'll see. Hopefully not, though. Cheering against you in two ways now. All right, hey, for Kevin, for Mike, for Caleb, thanks so much for joining us. That's it for the Friday Husker Tailgate. We'll be back here on Monday for LNK Today with Jack and Friends. And special note, three-day week next week for Thanksgiving, and that means Friday Husker Tailgate on Wednesday of next week. No show on Thursday, Black Friday with Nebraska and Iowa. Have a great weekend, everybody. 9 o'clock, KLIN Lincoln.